We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We're the men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 112, Back in Black. My name is David Savilla. I have Travis Sowers on the line again with me this week. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic, David. There's a Nicol Bolas avatar bundle with card sleeves and, like, fancy art for the new Planeswalker, and it's super cool. All right. Sorry, folks. So that's going to wrap the podcast this week. That was your arena update for the week. Uh, well, I guess we'll catch you next week. See you then. <laughs> no, that's super cool. I didn't even see that. That just came out today, and um, I saw posted in the Discord that it was, like, 4,000 gems and you're all over it and I'm like I didn't even get to see a picture of it so that that's that's super cool that you uh you got what you were looking for the cosmetics really are a nice touch they really are and this is what I was waiting for the avatar looks cool the card backs look cool they're kind of like if you mouse over them something happens and it gave you some fancy art for some of the cards that feature Bola so like this this is what I was waiting for I'd have paid five times as much for it like he's my planeswalker and I'm so tickled to to have that bundle that's pretty sweet uh, and then, aside from that, your other big news of the week is that you got to cast another fandom tournament today. How was that? That was a surprising amount of fun. Like, I thought that was going to be a one-off thing that I'd get to do once and was super excited to be asked back, especially with Ethan. Uh, it's just super easy to cast those events with him because we've done these set reviews and been on each other's podcasts so many times. Like, there's a, a natural rhythm that we've developed, and that was super, super awesome. I hope they'll ask me back again. That'd be fantastic. Um but it was fine. I, I spent the day before that playing some standard on stream so I wouldn't sound like a complete idiot as I'm looking at the decks. Um, and I, I think that really paid off because I wasn't missing things like the Planeswalker static abilities and, and such like that. Can we just step back and again appreciate it, how diverse this standard format is? Yeah, there was a lot of different things going on there, although today was a little bit more of a callback to the old decks with some new cards, whereas last week was all new decks. Uh, but we did see another Rao combo deck, which I thought was cool. Um, and there was like a, a big mono red deck. It didn't do particularly well, but it looked like it had been tested, uh, not just some random cards thrown together. So I, I saw a lot of things I liked. And Nexus is still a boogeyman in standard. Yeah, I think it'll be there for for a while still. But even just in the latter play, the last couple of like last couple of days, there's been a lot of variation in the decks and a lot of the old standbys too. But it's just like arena. I don't know if it's arena or if it's the format itself, but it just feels so wide open these days. And I think that's awesome for the health of the game. So it's really cool that people can get in there and find a deck that they like and actually have some success with it. Um, you know, you might not be a pro player with it, but you can certainly win some games and, and surprise some, some of the decks out there. So it's, it's pretty cool. I think we're in a really good spot, which is night and day compared to some decks of the past, some formats of the past. So it's refreshing for me. In fact, I'm actually going out to buy some standard cards and paper this weekend. So you did it wizards you hooked me congratulations you complete yeah. you completed the bridge between arena and paper for this this long time fuddy-duddy when it came to standard to no one's surprise i found a bolus list thank you Mangucci, uh that i like quite a bit and have been jamming in standard and, and having a blast with it i can't wait to try it again tomorrow with those new sleeves yeah that's pretty awesome and you have a uh your mythic qualifier to, to prep for too right when does that start for you 
I do. Um, I mean, it's towards the end of this month, so at some point I've got to get serious and probably put Bolas away and really decide what I want to play. But that's not today. No, and we'll talk about that on another episode. Maybe we'll talk about your trials and tribulations as we get that far. But today is wrapping up our three-part set review spread over three weeks, partially before and partially after. Uh, so this part, of this part of the set review, you and I have had a, a decent amount of experience, you more so than I. Um, but I've gone through some sealed and some drafts and the pre-release uh, and all that kind of stuff. So I think we have a good idea, at least of the the early sense of what the black and the multicolored cards uh, feel like to actually play with them. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with black. Let's just jump right in here. First black card is Aid the Fallen, one of black for a sorcery. Choose one or both. You may return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand or planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand. So you get creature and planeswalker or one of uh, or the other. Yeah, everybody consistently rated this a little underplayable at like a C minus level, except for Ben. Uh, again, for those who are curious, I'm looking at a spreadsheet. If you go in my stream and type exclamation point war, you can see the ratings from literally everybody that did a set review. As I've played with it, I found that I actually want to have one of these in most of my black decks because I'm usually able to get both both modes to go off. Uh, so I think Ben was actually correct here, uh, and this is just a, a solid playable black card. I don't want three. Uh, I'll probably play two, and I'm excited about the first one. Yeah, I think you were originally down on this one when we were on your stream for the preview show, or for the yeah for the preview stream, and um, thinking that it would be difficult to get mo- both modes. If you're not getting both modes reliably, I think this goes way down in value. Um, but just being able to recur like a like a solid uh, Davriel or um, even an Ashiok. I know you don't like Ashiok, but if you need to recur, if you need to win with Ashiok, uh, recurring him with or recurring Ashiok with Aid the Falling is definitely one way to go. So I'm with you, not playing it unless I have maybe two or three good Planeswalkers that I want to recur with it. Yeah, Banehound is a single black for a one one lifelink haste, and it's common. This is just trash. Um, I was pretty sure it was just trash when we did the first set review, and after playing with it a little while, I can say this is just garbage. Don't put it in your deck. It's really bad. So I'm not sure if you have the same kind of experience as I do, and this this isn't necessarily it, but this kind of combo is obviously with the um, Ajani's uh, Pride Mate, but it's not much of a combo because there's not much synergy there at all across the set. But I found it weird that the color co- the color combos don't seem to have... Uh, a signpost as to what the the combo is supposed to be doing. And every time I've put together a, a, a color paired deck, it really just feels like a pile of cards that have synergy, but they're, they're not working to what to, toward a, a common theme or a common goal. And I feel like, you know, this maybe is like, Hey, maybe there's some kind of lifelink synergy, but really there's only the one card that does anything with lifelink uh, or the life, life gain. And it, it seems that that's common across a lot of these cards. So this is just a, a role player in a deck that it doesn't have a role in, I think. And uh, I'll never play this card. Yeah. It's just garbage. Yeah. Bleeding edge is one black, black for a sorcery up to one target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn and a mass two, uh, basically ravenous chupacabra, right? <laughs> it's not that far from it. And it, it's interesting to compare and contrast this to Soren's Thirst, which we'll see a little bit later. This is so much better than that card uh, because there's generally something you can pick off or it can do a decent impersonation of a Vraska's finisher where you attack in, they block, and then you use this to finish something off and you still have a creature in play. And the amount of flexibility that you get with this is just worth the extra mana. I'm interested in these. I'll pick them early and they're like a reason to go into black for me. So this is a solid B minus in my book. Uh, and I found that the Amass cards all play really well together to get you a pretty big zombie army pretty quickly. 
it's pretty easy to get a 3-3 or 4-4 zombie. Um, the lords aren't as easy to come by, I find, especially in, in the draft, uh, or at least on Arena in the draft. But even just having a 4-4 zombie sitting around is is really good on both offense and defense. And you're like, even if it dies, it's like, I don't care. I got half a card of, of value out of this, and, and that's all that I needed. So, yeah, I'm definitely up on Bleeding Edge. It's not the best black removal, obviously, but it's it's up near the top, I would say. Yeah. Bolus's Citadel 3 Black 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 for a legendary artifact. You can look at the top card of your library at any time. You can play the top card of your library if you do. You pay life equal to its converted mana cost rather than pay its mana cost. And then you tap Sacrifice 10 non-land permanents. Each opponent loses 10 life. This is like the uh, the Lich's Mastery, the, the, the alternate win condition of the set basically is what I'm looking at this. Yeah, and it's interesting as I look through here at who liked it and who didn't, it's basically people who are super interested in dirtling got excited about this card, and people who aren't super interested in dirtling didn't. Uh, so for me, this ends up being around a D. I'm, I'm never going to value it highly enough to take it early enough to get to play with it, but I can see if you build a deck around it where it could potentially do something. Like, that's a powerful effect. Pay life for cards. Like, most of the time we've seen that, it's been fantastic. And I can remember drafting uh, Necropotents back in the day. Obviously, that's a while ago, and it's been in some cubes. But like any time you can pay life for cards, it's usually good. This is just asking you for a lot of life. Uh, like if you can if you can slam this on a board where you have a high life total, you're probably going to win that game. But if you're under any pressure, it's going to become a dead card pretty quickly. Uh, so for me, I don't particularly like this. It's not that I wouldn't play it. It's that I think the only times I would take it is if I had a deck that was set up perfectly for it and opened it in pack three. I could see it being like a black green deck and you have a couple of nurturers to gain you some random life. And even then it's a bit of a stretch for me, but I can certainly appreciate that the people that are going to enjoy playing this card are going to win with it. Um, it it kind of reminds me of Experimental Frenzy a bit. Yeah, like trying to pull that off and draft. Exactly. Um, Experimental Frenzy, Frenzy is cheaper and doesn't cost you any life. Um, so, But I could see it being certainly that powerful. I'm never going to pick it high enough to play it, but maybe I get it pack three. I don't know. That's that's just me. But certainly people out there are going to pick it, uh, pick one, pack one, and, and do well with it. I just think I don't want to be doing that in this format. Yeah, I don't think that's for me either. But again, if, if this is your jam, jam away. Jam away. Bond of Revival, four and a black for a sorcery. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste until your next turn. What was that card from, like, the core sets? Zombify. Uh, no, it's not Zombify. It's, like, Rise from the Grave. Rise from the Grave? Yeah, I think that's the one they've been running recently and printing recently. Basically the same card without the haste. So what's your take on this? There's a key difference between this and Rise from the Grave, and this only targets your graveyard, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of a big deal. Like, the problem with Rise from the Grave to begin with is often, like, very late game, it's better than your average 5 drop. But on curve, it's much worse because there's not a 5 or a 6 to get back out of either graveyard. And here we're limiting that further to it can only target your graveyard. So this is really get the best creature out of your graveyard, give it haste and attack. Which there's going to be board states where that's phenomenal. But in a lot of board states where you're just either curving out or presenting threats to the board, it's not going to be phenomenal. So for me, this is not something I'm excited to play. I rated it at a D. I see that other people have gone around that range, some of them up into C. Uh, and I could see some shenanigans where maybe you get something into the graveyard early that's pretty good, and you've got a very high-value creature and just getting it back as value, but I, this this is not a card that I'm interested in playing in this set. 
Yeah, it probably goes up in value if you're looting. An early game, you can loot away some of your expensive expensive creatures and then buy them back. But at that point, like, there's better cards to do that with. There's the Eternal Taskmaster. There's Aid the Fallen. Put them into your hand and just play them naturally from your hand instead of right onto the battlefield. So I think for more flexible cards, um, you know, you're sacrificing the battlefield presence. And I think I'd rather that. This card is just too expensive for me. Yeah. Charity Extractor is three and a black for a one five with lifelink. This is like the simplest card in the entire set, I think. Yeah, it is. There's not a lot of vanilla creatures running around here. Mm. There's nothing wrong with this, but it just hasn't made it into very many of my decks. Um, there's this interesting pressure about defending your own planeswalkers, but you also have to be able to attack your opponents. And this one's pretty good at the defensive side, just not very good at the offensive side. Maybe it goes in a deck with Bolas' Citadel. I ended up rating it at a C-, and I think that's probably fine, because I think in two and a half weeks of playing it, I've put this in one deck. And again, it's not that you can't play it, it's just that there's there's so many better things to be doing, I'd, I'd really rather be doing that. Yeah, this does a really good job of holding off the Amass tokens, but the problem is, is like you don't want to just be holding off the Amass tokens, you want to be able to kill the Amass tokens so they don't get bigger. Mm-hmm. And and this obviously doesn't do that. Um, it may as well just be an O five defender. There's probably a place for it in like a planeswalker control deck in limited. So for example, people that are playing a bunch of Ashioks or things to play, like get back Ashiok and continue to play it. Um, this probably shines in that specific style of deck uh, where you don't care what your opponent's doing on the other side of the battlefield. You're just trying to end the game by decking them as fast as possible. But other than that, I really struggle to see where this goes outside of just. I need a four drop that I can block with. Period. Maybe it's a sideboard card, but I'm not. I'm not picking this highly at all. Agree. Okay. Command the Dreadhorde for black black for a sorcery. Choose any number of target creature and or planeswalkers cards in the graveyard. In graveyards. Sorry, any graveyard. Command the Dreadhorde deals damage to you equal to the total converted mana cost of those cards. Put them onto the battlefield under your control. Do you know what happens if you do this while you have the Wanderer in play? You lose no life. You take no damage. Yeah, that's a pretty cool combo. Mm-hmm. Um, I initially, on my initial set review, thought that this was too expensive and the life was going to be too relevant. And I tried it out because I was like, there's a possibility that I'm wrong. And I was pretty happy resolving it every time that I did. And could usually find something in both graveyards to get back and had a little bit of life to play with. This, to me, looks like what Bolus's Citadel is promising. Um, but I have a little bit more control over... Like, what I'm getting back, an immediate board impact as it happens. I was actually pretty happy with this, and I think it's a powerful effect. Uh, So I'm going to change my rating from a D to a B. Oh, that's interesting. See, I had the exact opposite experience, where the only times I was able to cast this card, uh, I had to pay too much life to get any kind of value out of it. And then I just ended up dying two turns later, because the the only creatures I could afford to buy back were not impactful enough. Um, So it could just be small sample size on my end. Or mine. Or yours. Um, I think if you're if you have a way to pad your life total, obviously this goes way up in value. So if you're playing planeswalkers that your opponent is attacking, um, or you have random life linkers or, you know, nurturers and, and ways to gain life that way, obviously this goes up in value. But you know, if, if you get back three creatures with this, pay nine or ten life with it, you better win the game because you've probably put yourself down significantly on life compared to your opponent. Um well- where it, it was good like for me, work. well, I, and, and I could certainly see that, but where it was good for me was in a black-green deck that had a few Planeswalkers of its own, 
and I was actively looking to trade off resources as fast as I could, which I have found to be somewhat of a reasonable play pattern in this format anyway, and that you don't want just giant board states sitting around for either player. If you can trade, you usually do. So once I was trading resources relatively quickly, managed to knock out a Planeswalker of their own, have them spend some energy taking out a Planeswalker of mine, I was able to capitalize on the fact that like, because there are Planeswalkers in the format, you, you kind of have a little bit more life to play with. Get back one of their Planeswalkers and one of my good creatures and one of my Planeswalkers, all of a sudden I'm way ahead. Uh, yep. So it, I think if you've got this in your deck, you need to be aware that it's in there and like, maybe at that point you don't want to trade three damage for two. You want to just block their 2-2 with your 3-2 with the idea that, hey, my late game's going to be better. Let's get to it. Yeah, and and I think that makes a lot of sense. So I made a little comment on Twitter the other day, and it was like half tongue-in-cheek but half accurate, and it was like, I find this format limited in this format playing a lot like curling. And what I meant by that is that quite frequently in curling, you're trading resources with your opponents where they throw a rock and then you take the rock out and you keep the house clean. You keep it free of all of your opponent's rocks. And that's kind of what I felt like playing this format. And I'm glad you brought that up where it's like my opponent will throw up a guard or my, 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 my opponent will play a creature. I'll throw up a guard and they'll attack into it. And I'm like, OK, let's just clear the board and keep it free so that when they play their planeswalker i have a direct line to attack it i have i have a clean takeout on it as i would say in, in curling for example so 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 that makes sense that if you're trading resources that this goes up in value because your life total is high i also think the best target for this card is just simply planeswalkers period mm-hmm. because if you can bring back two or three good planeswalkers one that creates a creature maybe an angrath or a kismina or something like that like you know, not only are you protecting yourself, but you're also protecting those planeswalkers. So you've all you've you've padded your life total, you know, one way or the other here. And um, and yeah, and you can get usually repeatable value out of that. So I think that's your best bet for Command the Dreadhorde. Um, Black Green probably seems like a really good shell for it. If you got Leyline Prowlers, a way to gain a little bit of life. Um, and then like you said, trade off resources like Death Touchers and things like that. So okay, um, I'm probably in the C range on it, but I'll probably play it and if I if I get the opportunity. So. Davriel Rogue Shadow Mage is up next to black for a three loyalty planeswalker. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, sorry, if that player has one or fewer cards in hand, Davriel deals two damage to them, and minus one target player discards a card. I've been picking this like it's a B minus, and it's played out like one a lot of the time. Like, it's kind of a delayed reaction mind rot. They get to see it coming. I have actually killed people with a damage from it before, uh, which was interesting. I think this card's just solid, and it shows us a lot of, like, even in a very powerful format, a card like Mind Rot is pretty dang good. Like, this is a potential three-for-one if you can stick it, and I've been pretty happy having it in all of my black decks. The interesting thing is that the passive makes this good mid-to-late game, too, when your Mm -hmm. opponent's top-decking, and your opponent almost has to go at it or else take two damage a turn, which is super relevant. Quite frequently, I've top deck this then nab my opponent's last card or a, a good card out of their hand that they couldn't cast because they were stuck on mana um and even early game like going two drop like the lazatep reaver whatever the the one two that comes with the one one into this is a great play pattern because you can if you want it to die that's if you don't care if it dies that's fine and if you want to chump so you can get another card out of your opponent's hand that's also fine you force them to hold lands in hand to discard to it which means they're not developing their mana base potentially or they're discarding powerful cards that they can't cast yet and the you know, I've seen people discard six drops out of their hand on turn three and turn four, and I'm like, great, because I know this game's going to go long. So I, I like everything about this card. Um, I definitely think it's a solid B minus. I'm with you on that one, and I'll pick it first out of a lot of packs. I think. 
Yeah, like it, I think Bob Nixos's cruelty probably is above this, but like mm-hmm. I can't think of many black cards I would take over this when I open it. I agree. Maybe Bleeding Edge. Yeah, maybe Bleeding Edge for sure. This is definitely in the top three so far of the black cards we've looked at. Yeah. Davriel's Shadow Feud is a three and a black for a sorcery. Target player discards two cards and loses two life. I just much rather Davriel. Yeah, same. And I thought this was maybe going to be okay because Mind Rot is always fine, but like at four mana, it's just kind of not. So exactly, I'm I'm um, pretty much out on this one. Agreed. There's and there's also another better discard card. I think we'll see later here. So Deliver Unto Evil is two and a black for a sorcery at rare. Choose up to four target cards in your graveyard. If you control a Bolas Planeswalker, return those cards to your hand. Otherwise, an opponent chooses two of them. Leave the chosen cards in your graveyard and put the rest into your hand. Exile, deliver unto evil. So what happens if I choose two cards and don't have a bolus? They go into your graveyard. (laughs) Yeah, so there's really no way to bust this unless you have the bolus. You have to target four things, and then you're getting the worst of those four. You're getting the two worst out of those four. I'm kind of not in on this. Like, we've got Aid the Fallen for two mana that kind of does this as long as one of them's a creature and one of them's a planeswalker. So, like, I, I get it. You're supposed to draft Bolas and then draft this, but nah, I'm, I'm kind of out. Nah, I don't think I'll ever cast this card. So, moving along to Dreadhorde Invasion, uh, front runner for uh, best potential for nickname in the set. It's one in a black for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life in a mass one. And then whenever a zombie token you control with power six or greater attacks, it gains lifelink until end of turn. This card is nigh unbeatable if it's cast on turn two. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just that good. Even if there's no other amass in your deck. If there is other amass in your deck, and there probably is because you're playing black, it's even pretty good later than that. Um, it does take a turn to get going, but like, say you're sitting there with a 4-4 zombie that's getting bricked, all of a sudden it's going to be a 5-5 five, five, and then a 6-6 six, six with a lifelink shortly, and that should turn things back in your favor. So I, I think I'm taking this out of a lot of packs where I can get it early, uh, and then maybe trying to sneak some more mass in there, but th- this card has performed very strong every time I've seen it on the battlefield. Yeah, and I've seen people like stop and say it's like, well, but the life loss, and it's like, no, you don't care about the life loss, because even worst case scenario, unless you're killing yourself with this card, it can chump block and and save you some life every turn. So you're facing down a 7-6 worm on the other side of the table, you're taking one a turn because of this card instead of seven, or trading yeah. off something of value. So like even worst case scenario, the only time it will kill you is if you're at like three life in a board stall, and you're like, great, I can't win if I play this card because I'm going to die in three turns that's it yeah yeah and again i've seen it in action so i I rated it a b plus and i can now defend that i it might even be higher than that agreed uh dread mulkin is a single black for a one one zombie cat with menace and two and a black sacrifice another creature or planeswalker put two plus one plus one counters on it so i rated this an f when i did the initial set review Mm -hmm. and one thing i can say is i've seen my opponents playing these is i actually felt relief that this is what they played <laughs> instead of literally anything else, because this card is terrible. I don't know why it's here, what it's supposed to be doing, uh, but it hasn't done anything that has impressed me remotely. Uh, sure, it's kind of difficult to double block and it has menace, but the threat of activation is just not good enough when they're only hitting for one point of damage. Uh, like, you can basically ignore this and kill your opponent. And if it's ever an issue, like, literally everything will kill it. So, like... I I just think this is a really bad card, and it's it's not one I'm interested in playing. 
Yeah, agreed. I haven't seen it played on either side of the battlefield yet, and I do expect that to continue. I'll never pick this out of pack. Um, F is might be a little strong for that one. Like, there's maybe there's a random deck for it, but I, it's not one of mine, so I'm out. Yeah. Dusk Mantle Operative is one of the black for a 2 2. It can't be blocked by creatures with power four or greater. This is kind of just your filler two drop for black. The ability can come up and actually poke in and hit a planeswalker now and then. Uh, but it, it's just not something I'm super excited about. Uh, so th- yeah. this is like a C minus D plus level card. Yeah, if you need two drops, whatever, it's fine. There's better two drops in black. The Elder Spell is black, black for a sorcery. Destroy any number of target planeswalkers. Choose a planeswalker you control. Put two loyalty counters on it for each planeswalker destroyed this way. At the pre-release, I saw somebody cast this with their bolus on the battlefield and destroyed six planeswalkers across the entire table. And then ultimate bolus immediately? Yeah, it was it was amazing. It was like jaw dropping. I'm like, I don't even know what Bolus's ultimate does, and that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> he, ki- he killed like four on the other side of his on this battlefield, one of his own, and then one of his partners <laughs> just to get the extra loyalty counters. And I'm like, this game's over. It doesn't matter, but it was super cool. I think this is probably a C plus in your average deck, but like the value of it is going to depend on the value of your opponent's planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Note that it's a sorcery, so they're going to get an activation first. But I've seen scenarios where my opponent has four or five planeswalkers in play, and this just kills all of them. So like just one for wanting with a planeswalker, yeah, it's fine, but it probably already did something. So you're not really up a card there because whatever effect it had still happened. If you're ever able to nab two of them, it's going to be absurd. And like the the ceiling just goes up from there. So I think in your average deck, it's like a C plus. I think it can certainly be a B plus out of your sideboard. Uh, And it's something that I am definitely looking to pick up if I'm black. And I'm going to main deck it. I'll just be aggressively looking to take it out if they only seem to have like one Planeswalker. Um, Particularly one that if it comes in and activates once the damage is done. Mm-hmm. So are you, are you, is this a card you're looking to first pick, like pick one, pack one, do you think? Or are you going to like pick it up if you're, if you're already black? I, yeah, that's the problem for me and why I keep saying C plus is that I don't think I'm first picking this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think we're on the same page on that one too. I think it's a powerful spell. I think I prefer it out of the sideboard, which usually knocks it down a bit for me. Um, maybe, maybe I main deck it. I don't know. I'd have to see it in action for sure. Um, the most planeswalkers I've seen across the table from me so far is like three at a time. Um, but I've seen obviously screenshots with four and five. Like there's people that are just trying to abuse planeswalkers out there. The biggest problem it has is that it's competing with spark harvest and Mm -hmm. it's, it's obviously better at that than that at killing planeswalker, but the flexibility of spark harvest is it can take out a creature or a planeswalker. And this one just can't do that. Agreed. All right, Eternal Taskmaster. I really like this card. One in the black for a 2-3 at Uncommon. Uh, when it enters the battlefield... Sorry, it enters the battlefield tapped, and then whenever it attacks, you may pay two in a black if you do get a target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, I said that I thought this was a B-, and it's played like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Your opponent will actively try to kill this or block it or get it out of the way so that you can't turn it on. Um, if you ever get a chance to attack and get something back, you feel like you've got tremendous value. And like on an empty board, this thing will actually begin to take things over. If you get into top deck mode and both of you have nothing in play, uh, this can get you back into it quite quickly. So I'm pretty happy with this. I think I pick it just under Obnixilis' Cruelty. Uh, mm-hmm. But sh- short of that, this is one of my favorite black cards in the set. 
I agree. This is a this is definitely a reason to be black for me. Uh, I like to pair it with white. I've had it with Pegasus Courser or whatever the new Pegasus is. Uh, Trust the Pegasus a couple of times, and that's really good. I've even just suicided this card into creatures that it was going to eat it because I could get like a six six or a five four or four five back from the graveyard. And it's like, okay, well, you've served your purpose. I'm going to upgrade you for three mana plus the cost to recast the creature. So. I've done all of those things as well as pretending I was doing that second thing when I secretly had the combat trick in hand. So uh-huh. my opponent's thinking I'm just throwing this away, but I'm not. So they throw a 4-4 in front of it. Now your Bloom Hulk's dead. I'm keeping this guy and I drew a card and oh my god, I'm winning. Yeah, and everything's great. I like that play pattern as well. All right, Finale of Eternity X Black Black for a sorcery at Mythic. Destroy up to three target creatures with toughness X or less. If X is 10 or more, return all creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. hey oh, Plague Wind? One-sided Plague Wind, anyone? Basically, I mean, this functionally works like six mana blow up three creatures, generally speaking, in this format, and that's pretty dang good. We're used to six mm-hmm. mana kill one creature. Uh, and it also has that benefit of the, if the game goes long enough, you just win. Uh, so I, I think I like this one quite a lot. Um, I ended up rating this an A, and I think that probably stands. Agreed. It's it it's not hard at all to get X equals four, like six man in this format, I, I don't think. The games seem to be grindy. Um, with the Planeswalkers, the life totals are, are higher. I, I really like this card. Yeah, same. And then we get something even better. God Eternal Bantu, three black, black, four, five, six, Menace. It's a mythic zombie god. Bantu's back, and he's angry. Uh, it has Menace. When when it enters the battlefield, sacrifice any number of per- other permanents and then draw that many cards. And when it dies, you can tuck it. It's got the god rule. You can tuck it back in your library third from the top. Yeah, I haven't found that to be as oppressive as I thought. Um, the, the tuck rule, like, they are coming back, but you can kill the god and kill your opponent quickly if you have a board state. Um, that said, all of the gods are fantastic, and this one's no exception. So this is certainly in the A range. Uh, normal play pattern for me with this was to play it, sacrifice at least a couple lands, and get a few cards deeper. Um, so I, I've been very happy with Bond 2. It was off, but also at the top of my curve. Like, not a lot to do with more than six mana. Uh, so I didn't mind cashing in some lands or going back down to four lands, because I'll find some more. Yeah, drawing three cards off of this is fairly easy a lot of the time. You, you know, you can dump a 1-1 one, one token or your 1-2 a mass creature. Um, yeah, I, I really like this. And I do agree with you. The gods, they suck when they come down. And a catcher aside, I feel like the other four are somewhat beatable if you have a board presence and a piece of removal in hand. Um, you just have to make sure that, like, you have three turns to win, basically, or else you got to do it all over again. So um, not unbeatable unless your name is a Ketra. Yeah. Herald of the Dread Horde, three and a black for a three-two zombie warrior. Common when it dies, a mass two. This guy has been pretty dang good. I, it's I a don't good role player. Yeah, I, I don't think like I rated it a C plus. I don't think it's necessarily better than that. Uh, but I'm usually really happy once I'm in black to start grabbing these. And if I end up with three of them in the deck, and that's my four drop slot, I'm pretty tickled about it. Because it, it's usually going to trade for a creature, either on attacks or blocks. It's something I certainly don't mind sending in an opposing Planeswalker. Uh, when my opponent has some tutus sitting around, I'm like, sure, kill it. I'll, you know, We're going to make more. Uh, and there's also just enough random amass in your black decks that usually you're getting a little bit more than a tutu out of this. So I've, I've been pretty happy with this. Yeah, I agree. It's The, the three power kills a lot of things and kill everything important in the format but the three power is relevant on even on a four drop so that makes me happy all around um 
Yeah, it's, it's just good. Like, I can just play it by itself with no other amass. Like, a 3-2 that leaves a 2-2 behind is is decent value, so A-okay with me. Uh, Kaya's Ghost Form is a single black for an aura enchant creature or planeswalker you control. When it dies or is put in exile, return it to the battlefield under your control. Yeah, this is just trash. Um, yeah, it is. I did have an opponent play an Ugin and then put this on it. And chat was like, ooh, it's a combo with Ugin. And I'm like, literally everything, including basic lands, is a combo with Ugin. Just get the dang thing and play, and you're going to win. Um, like, I, I hear what you're saying. You could do some cute things with this, but none of them are things that I'm interested in doing. Just because my opponent is going to have the choice, usually, when something dies, rather than me, right? Like, mm-hmm. you could sort of use it to try to make a creature unblockable-ish, if the creature's good enough that they would want to kill it anyway. But, like, just, just play another copy, right? Like, yeah, it's just bad. I agree. I'm never going to play this card. F for me. Lazatep Behemoth is four and a black for a 5-4 at common with flavor text. Yep, uh, pretty good flavor text, actually. This is what I had Ethan do the dramatic reading of on stream. Um, I, I think this is fine. Uh, I rated it a C. Like, I see a lot of people going a little lower on it, but, like, five mana, 5-4 is kind of just okay. The the five power is surprisingly relevant. Like you can smash through. By this time, usually there's a bunch of stuff on the board, so you're probably trading with like like a two two and an amass token or something like that. But like on defense, it's pretty powerful. You can reach up and eat a a, a big amass creature. Um, I wish it had some kind of evasion. Like I'd definitely prefer something with menace. I think, but I mean, whatever. If you need if you need a five power creature in your five drop spot, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, I'd rather have Bantu, sure. But, like, on an empty board, this thing will close out a game relatively quickly, and I've already seen that happen. Yeah. Lazadep Reaver, one in a black for a 1-2 at common. When it enters the battlefield, amass one. There is your premium two-drop for black. Yep, I rated this one as a C+. They pay, they play well together. Uh, it's basically like a two-mana 2-3, two, but it's spread out so that it's better at blocking, a little worse at attacking... And then it plays well with the other mass synergy cards that you find here. So if, if I'm playing a black deck and I have four of these as my only two drops, that's great. Mm-hmm. I think I also like the value that it gives you late game in uh, certain decks where sacrificing a creature has value. So if you have like an Obnix list and you want to kill this to get two cards and because you, you don't want to give your opponent cards and they, or they don't have a target for it, or you sacrifice it to your Bantu, or you know if you're playing the 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 black creature where you can pay a bunch of mana and sacrifice something to draw a card and gain some life like there's all sorts of things you can do with this and you're not putting bad cards in your deck to do it necessarily right yeah um and and that's what i like about leaving this random little one two body behind is that it is relevant in the mid to late game sometimes so Mm -hmm. it's easy it's easy to build around that and get those random synergies with this card yeah agree liliana dreadhorde general for black black for a planeswalker mythic Six loyalty. Whenever a creature you control dies, draw a card. I like that we're seeing the static abilities on the mythic ones as well. I think that's that's pretty cool. Uh, plus one, create a two a two two black zombie creature token. Minus four, each player sacrifices two creatures, and then minus nine, uh, win the game. Basically, each opponent chooses a permanent they control of each permanent type, and then sacrifices the rest. Yeah, this card's absolutely absurd. Um, I've had opponents resolve this, and like, there's just no way to beat it. It's an A plus. Um, mm-hmm. It. 
it's able to come down and clear off a lot of boards, sometimes drawing you a card while you do it. If you're at a board stall, you can just make a token and be like, yo, you got three turns or I'm going to kill you. Like, there's just so much flexibility here. And then when they attack it, if you have any blockers, like, even chumps aren't that bad because they're cycling now. So, like, this card just kind of does it all. Yeah, this is, this is like, aside from Ugin, this is the card that I want to open in every single pack of limited that I open. Yeah, for sure. All right. Liliana's Triumph, one in a black for an instant. Each opponent sacrifices a creature, and if you have a Liliana Planeswalker, each opponent also discards a card. So, typically, I don't like Edicts. Um, I I kind of don't like this one a lot either. Although, like, if you think of it as like a two drop, whose job is mostly to trade with your opponent's two drop, and then later in the game isn't really going to do much. That's kind of what this does. Like, if you have it on turn two, they played a two-drop, you can nab something with it. Sometimes in the late game, they're only going to have one good creature left, but not often. But at the same time, like, drawing a 2-2 for two wouldn't do much in that spot either. So I think this is a playable edict. It's just, this isn't really quite removal, and it's not really quite a great card. So for me, that, that lines it up as a C. You can put this in your deck. I have put it in my deck, and it's done exactly that. It was a great play on... Great is an exaggeration. It was an acceptable play on turn two to trade with my opponent's two drop. And that's what I wanted it to do, and it did that well. Um, I like the play pattern of using this to protect your planeswalkers. So, like, you're on the, you're on the, uh, you're on the play, and your opponent plays a two drop, and then you respond with this, and then the next turn you stick your Davriel or something like that, and it's an empty board. So it is a good way to keep the board clear early, just like you described, I think. That's the best way to play with it. Um, and then sometimes you have an empty board late game. Like you said, it kills a big thing. Um, yeah, there's just better removal. I will play one if I get one, but I'm not aggressively picking it. It's kind of like a really bad essence scatter. That's a good way to, that's a good way to look at it, for sure. Uh, Massacre Girl, three black black for a 4-4 four, four menace. Uh, at rare, when it enters the battlefield, each other creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Then when a creature dies this turn, each creature other than Massacre, Massacre Girl gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. So you basically create a chain reaction of deaths and de- destruction and, and mayhem, and it's great. Yeah, I thought this was going to be good, and it's just better than I thought. I initially rated it a B plus. I think it's actually an A. Like, it just kills everything. Like, every time I've gotten to play with it, it's not been difficult to engineer a board state where your opponent loses a bunch of creatures and you have a Massacre Girl left over. And, like, a 5-mana 4-4 Menace is already pretty dang good. There have been times where I just played it out and killed the opponent with it because they couldn't block it. Um, So this is rare I've had a chance to play with, and I can say it is better than advertised. Yeah, it's it's not that hard to engineer a board state where you can wipe the entire board with this. And even if you can't, the body's super relevant, so I'm with you on that one. I'd probably give it like an A minus for me. Not that it matters for splitting hairs at that point. Uh, Obnixilis, the hate twisted three black black for a f- uh, five loyalty planeswalker uncommon. When an opponent draws a card, it deals one damage to that player and then minus two destroy target creature. Its controller draws two cards. Yeah, I was initially a little down on Bob because I'm like, we're kind of stapling a couple of effects together that I don't particularly like. Um, and But what I found is that like this is actually just flexible enough that you put it in your black decks and you're pretty happy with it. Uh, you can t- trade in one of your creatures that isn't doing anything anymore, as well as get a blocker out of the way. 
Uh, we built a deck in the preview event that was black, red, and very aggressive and was interested in using Bob there to basically deal, you know, Lava Axe the opponent. Who cares if they draw cards? They're going to be dead. And I thought maybe he'd only be good in that style of deck, but I found like he's just fine in all of the black decks. Uh, so, you know, I think I initially rated it something like a C. It, it may just be a B minus on par with like Davriel. It feels like at least the at least the time that I've seen people play with this and played with it myself is that it's fifty fifty between destroying my own dorky creature to draw two and then also removing an opponent's creature, right? It seems like I I I do one of each or I do two on mine and then two on theirs next game or something like that. So really, it's flexible based on the board state. It feels bad to give them cards though. Don't get me wrong. The fact that you can reuse it is a little better. Um, I like it more in an aggressive deck, but I'll certainly play it in a controlling deck as well. And now his cruelty, Obnixilis's cruelty, to in a black for an instant target creature is minus five, minus five until end of turn, and if it would die, exile it instead. Uh, best removal spell in the set. Instant speed kills just about everything and has delicious flavor. All of these planeswalkers are fighting a war, and Bob Nixilis is off in the corner torturing birds. Makes sense to me. Yeah, this is solid. Uh, I agree with you on that on that assessment. So. Price of Betrayal, a single black for a sorcery. Remove up to five counters from target artifact, creature, planeswalker, or opponent. So I initially thought this might be something like a sideboard card to remove planeswalkers. And I was like, eh, it's probably a main deck card to remove planeswalkers. And now I've realized, eh, it's just a main deck card to kind of clean up situations. So most of what you're doing is kill your opponent's planeswalker. That's that's Mm -hmm. fairly reasonable. But if your opponent has gotten this amass train going... Uh, well, you can just shrink down that army, and that's pretty handy. Or maybe they've been proliferating onto a single creature, and you can shrink it back down to its base state. Um, so I think all of that flexibility on this card makes it pretty darn good, and I'm happy to have the first copy in my deck. Um, I, I think that probably adds up to, like, I don't know, C-plus level, because it's not necessarily going to destroy exactly what I want it to. Uh, but I'm main decking the first one, and if I have to, there's a lot of decks I'd bring two in against. Yeah, the downside is, like, the good Planeswalkers that are rare or better, this doesn't deal with them most of the time. Yeah. The only one I can think of that it reliably deals with is Sarkin mm-hmm. at, at rare, because Sarkin comes down and usually immediately minuses. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't kill a Liliana usually, it doesn't kill an Ugin usually. So you're going to have to do some work to kill those Planeswalkers. But I do like this killing a Mass Tokens. I don't know if I'm going to main deck this, but I, I'm interested in one for the sideboard at the very minimum in my black decks. I watched Tommy play some black decks the other day where he was main decking one and like the flexibility. He did all of those things I mentioned was enough to sell me on. I should be main decking this card. Okay. I'm going to keep an eye on it and I'll, and I'll see what situations it would be good in for sure. But like you talked about before, like killing a planeswalker that's already done half his thing when I can just throw creatures at it. Like it's a little tough sell for me sometimes, but sometimes you got to reach out and kill that Ashiok. So yeah. Shriek diver two and a black for a two one with flying and you can pay one and give it haste until end of turn. This is fine. It's filler level stuff. Um, Having some evasion in your decks is a nice thing. So I'm usually actually happy to have one, maybe two of these in my black deck, uh, but I'm not typically going after it. I found that it's a little better in green, black or green, red, just because they don't have access to flyers, whereas white and blue usually do. So sort of if I'm I'm pairing black with either of those two colors, I'll kind of ignore this. Uh, But if I'm pairing it with green or red, I'm kind of suddenly interested in having two. Just because I, I, sometimes I need to reach out and peck at a Planeswalker. Yeah, this is the bane of the uncommon Planeswalkers, right? Generally speaking, if you're pulling two loyalty off of an uncommon, you're removing an entire activation off of their their life cycle. Um, 
don't sleep on flyers period like i'm just this is just general in this format don't sleep on the flyers and the fact you can give something haste uh to pick off a planeswalker is relevant i think it's a little better than filler or at least i don't look at it as filler i look at it as like if you know if i need a flyer which i usually do this is what i'm going to get for a flyer uh or my other option is the colorless four mana two three but the haste on this one kind of helps um a little bit i don't want too many of them like you said but I, i i really don't mind putting these in my deck i think fair enough okay soren's thirst for black black at an instant or is an instant uh, deals two damage to darker creature and you gain two life. This play pattern with this is actually not that far off from the Liliana's Edict that we saw earlier. Um, but the double black pips and the casting cost is actually a problem. This doesn't really kill anything that matters other than your opponent's two drops. Yeah, there's a couple flyers that it can reach out and nab. Um, the life gain isn't super relevant and it is kind of hard to cast. So I rated this a C. A lot of people had been rating it a C+. Plus. I think it may actually be a C minus. Like I'll put one in my heavy black deck if I don't have Lazotep Reavers. Um, other than that, I'm I'm kind of not super interested in this. Yeah, I just pref- I I'd, I'd much rather the red removal spells for three damage. Um, you know, ob- obviously Obnixilus is cruelty. Like, yeah, I don't think this does enough. Um, you add all that together and you just end up with a super inflexible card. And I like my cards to have flexibility. Yeah, the, the one place I have seen it shine is out of the sideboard against white decks that were running the Pegasus. Because the fact that like that card is terrifying in this format, and just being able to kill that or Law Rune Enforcers, it's been very good. But against non-white decks, it, it, it didn't feel like it was killing anything relevant. I could see that for sure, sided in against the, the white decks. Okay. <clears throat> Spark Harvest is a single black for a sorcery as an additional cost to cast the spell you can sacrifice a creature or pay three and a black destroy target creature or planeswalker yeah i've been pretty happy with this uh put as many as i can get in my deck they got planeswalkers and creatures and you want them dead this is how you're doing it in this format uh so i think this kind of ends up just being a b like you you don't want to pay full price and sometimes you don't mind throwing away a lazatep reaver that isn't doing anything um but the fact that you can and it's flexible i think makes this quite a card it's funny. I've I've had I've had a, had a few of these in my draft and sealed decks, and multiple times I've looked at it in my hand with a bunch of mana on the table, and I'm looking at my creatures trying to figure out what I'm going to sacrifice to pay it for one mana, <laughs> and then I look down and I'm like, wait a second, I have five mana here that I'm not doing anything with. I'm just going to cast this for full value, and it's like I have to get out of that mentality that I have to sacrifice a creature. Um, again, this the super flexible like nature of this spell. Um, and the fact that it just deals with Ugins and Sarkins and Lilianas and the like. If I if I have to sacrifice a creature to do that, I'm okay with that. So, Agree. Spark Reaver, two and a black for a 2-3 at common. It's a zombie. Uh, and for three, and sacrifice another creature, or sacrifice a creature of Planeswalker, including this one, you gain one life and draw a card. I've been pretty happy with this. Like, mm-hmm. three mana, two, three is a reasonable stat line. And later in the game, when you've got a bunch of mana up, it basically means that any removal spell they have turns into draw a card for you. Now, you're never happy when they point a removal spell at your creature that you were planning to win the game with, but you feel a little better when you get to, you know, cash it in for some extra cards. So I, I think this probably still comes down into C-level card. I'm not going nuts over it, and I don't want five of them, but if there's one of these in my black deck, I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with one. There's... You know, you get into a board stall and you're like, great, I can just turn my dorky tutus into maybe a piece of removal off the top of my deck or something. So, 
Yeah, I, I like this uh, a decent amount. Tidebreaker Giant. I also like this card. Five and a black for a four five, and when it enters the battlefield, draw a card and lose a life. Yeah, I like this better than I thought I would. Uh, I've ended up being happy to have two of these in the six drop slot in every black deck that I've played. I rated it a C. The first one may actually be a C plus. Just remember, don't go nuts and draft a bunch of six drops because you do have to have a plan for getting there. Um, but I've been happy to ramp into these or just jam a couple of them into, like I said, any black deck. And it's it's a relevant body that's able to attack Planeswalkers, block things that are attacking yours, uh, replaces itself, so there's nothing to no downside there. And the one life just hasn't been super relevant. So I, I, overall, I'd say I'm quite happy with the Giant. This is a good reason to keep the board clear as well. Like, you know, you can you trade trade resources with your opponent and then outdraw them in the late game and keep the board clear f- to keep your 4-5 able to attack through mm-hmm. um, without getting double blocked for, like, good value on your opponent's side of the battlefield. So it, you add all of that up, and I, and I like this. Um, one of my favorite things to do is ramp into it, like, on turn 5, I think. If, if you can cast and get that extra card, get ahead of your opponent, maybe get an extra land drop in. I think that's uh, super useful. So, uh, Told the Invasion is 2 and a black for a sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card and amass one. I've been pretty actually okay with this card, even though we don't normally like, you know, targeted single piece of room, of, uh, of hand disruption. Um, but I've cited this in quite a bit, and I wanted your take on it. So it's interesting here. People have compared this to Brain Maggot. It's better than that because the card's gone forever. They're not getting it back when the creature dies. And it does end up having some synergy with some other cards in your deck. And I think that's the key piece for me is if I have other Amass cards, I'm pretty happy to play that because I know that I'm going to get more out of that Amass 1. Uh, whereas the targeted discard later, like I, I played this in decks and top decked it and been like, oh God, this doesn't do anything. And, like, that's a real cost to playing a deck, a, a card like this in your deck. So be aware that, like, if you draw this on turn 8 and your opponent's empty-handed, like, you're basically just paying 3 mana to make a 1-1. One, one. So make sure that if you're paying 3 mana to make a 1-1, one, one, you're able to give it flying, or you're able to give it haste, or you're able that it's actually a 5-5. Five, five. Um, so, like, I, I like the fact that it can do something later in the game, because I'm not going to punish it too hard for that, because it's a 3-drop. Most 3-drops aren't going to be amazing when you top-deck them late in the game. All that adds up to a C minus for me. I'm usually not maining the first copy, but I'll, I will if I'm heavy a mass, and I'll bring it in if I'm concerned about my opponent's six drops. Yeah, in, in a format where you know there's a lot of bombs, I think if you're you know, obviously if your bomb your opponent's bombs are expensive, whether they be gods or planeswalkers or whatever, um, an early Tolly evasion can sometimes swing the game in your favor. If you don't have a way to deal with those types of things, or you're going to get into a game where it's you struggle to do that, I I can see Toll the Invasion being like a risk I'm willing to take sometimes. So and that's why I kind of like it. Um, I played it in a deck out of the board last night where I didn't necessarily have a ton of amass. I maybe had like one or two ways to amass one or two. It wasn't it wasn't great, but bringing it in against my opponent who was playing. A Liliana or an Ugin or a God or something like that. Um, I relied on drawing it early, so that play pattern of like you have to draw it earlier, it's really not that great. I was aware of that and I was willing to take that risk because I needed to try to go out of my way to give myself an edge in that matchup and get lucky. That's that's kind of where I see this card. Yeah, I agree. Okay, perfect. Unlikely aid one in a black for an instant target creature gets plus two plus zero and gains indestructible till end of turn. 
We've seen variants of this before. Most of them in the past have caused the creature to die and then re-enter the battlefield. It's worth noting that this one does not. Um, however, it's still just a really reasonable combat trick for black. I mean, it, it's a C-level card. Combat tricks aren't going to be that amazing. But there's a lot of cool things you can do with it. Uh, make a death touch creature actually, you know, get through more. Menace seemed to be a little sub-theme here, so you can get some shenanigans going on with that. I've already killed people by pointing this on a creature that was unblocked when they were low on life. So, like, there's just a lot of things you can do with this card, uh, especially if they're using damage-based removal on your turn while you're attacking. Like, that's the best feeling ever. Like, no, my thing's not dead, and you're taking two more. Yeah, um... I'm super happy with one of these in my deck for sure. Even just being able to go through and go at planeswalkers and then get a big creature out of the way or something like that really, really helps. So it's it's super flexible. The extra plus two if you just go unblocked at a planeswalker can also be relevant. So um, I like one of these, but you're right. It's a combat trick. Can't get too excited for those. Vampire Opportunist, one and a black for a 2-1 vampire at common, and it has the mana sync ability of six and a black. Each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. A lot of people rated this a D, and I think they're just wrong. I've already won games and lost games to it. Now, that doesn't make it a bomb, just that, like, it's a two-drop. It's there to trade with your opponent's two-drops, and it'll do that with most of them. And it does do something late game if you flood out. Now, hopefully you got something better to do with your seven mana than drain your opponent for two. But I've been in situations where I didn't, and my opponent was at a low life total. And all of a sudden, this was the threat they had to kill. They didn't, and I won. Uh, all of that, I mean, still adds up to like, I don't know, C minus, but I'm putting one of these in my black decks. I'm just not going out of my way to get it. Yeah, I, th I think the problem that people maybe have with two drops is that unless they can attack really well into your opponent's side of the battlefield to pressure planeswalkers, it's tough to be interested in these cards. You know what I mean? Like, like this is a two drop. It sucks because it gets blanked by a one one amass token. Um, it, whereas, like, you know, you can get two drops that are two, three taskmasters and things like that, that are just much better. And I think, I think that's the hang up that maybe a lot of people have on this card is that it just doesn't attack planeswalkers. Um, and there are cards out there that do like, I would rather an amass spell instead of this, or I'd rather, you know, even just a, a like the, a mass bounce sorcery in, in blue instead of this, maybe in, in some decks just to get that seated amass token. So it's really fighting for uh, those slots in black and blue, especially. Um, but the life drain i've won games with it so like i think i'm with you i want one i just have to accept the fact that it's never pressuring a planeswalker which is unfortunate there's not any black two drops that do at common so like i i hear what you're saying but it's mm -hmm. like just do a quick comparison and run down here it's not like you're really pressuring a planeswalker with the the dusk mantle operative or the lazatep reaver so like these are your options i i think i like the first copy of this better than the first uh operative Oh, I don't think I think I like this over the operative for sure, but I think I take the Lazatep Reaver every time because you yeah. say that it can't pressure a planeswalker, but with an amass play on turn three, all of a sudden you can pressure a planeswalker with your amass token because yeah. of that seeding, right? And that haste. And that's just that's just what this suffers from. So uh Vizier the Scorpion, uh two and a black for a one one when it enters the battlefield, amass one, and zombie tokens you control have death touch. This card's pretty good. I've gotten to play with this some. I rated it a B minus, and I stand by that. It's been pretty good. Like, even without any other ways to amass, it's giving you a, a death touch plus a chump blocker, which is not a bad thing. With that ability to amass, it means that any other amass cards you draw later, if you've traded off the token that this guy comes with, all of a sudden those have death touch, and you can trade those off. 
And if you combine it with any of the other viziers, uh, you start to get some really gross stuff like Death Touch and Menace. All of a sudden, your your army is going to trade for two cards, um, which, I mean, it kind of should. You had to spend two cards to make it, but then your other amass spells start to generate value over time. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty happy with this and have been picking it pretty highly and, and feeling good about that. Yeah, the same. I have no no nothing to add there. All right, Vraska's Finisher is our last black card. Two and a black for a 3-2. At common, when it enters the battlefield, destroy target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls that was dealt damage this turn. Yeah, it's important to note that this says Planeswalker. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already seen this kill Planeswalkers. Um, I've certainly seen it get creatures out of the way. There's times where you're happy enough to throw something away, and we've already seen the Lazatap Reaver. Uh, so, like, just sending that and the zombie token in, you know, getting a 2-3 out of the way and playing this afterwards gives you a pretty decent board presence. I, I think that probably all adds up to still a C-level card, like I'm not really going nuts about it. Maybe C plus, uh, but I'm I'm happy to have one or two of these in my black decks. Seems to be even a little better in uh, green black for some reason. Maybe it's just because they were having a harder time pushing through damage and getting stuff out of the way. Uh, but I, I've been happy with this card. I really like it with the amass tokens. You just run an amass token in and either get some damage to the face, or your opponent is thinking that you're. You know, they're okay trading with the combat trick or something like that, and you get them with the finisher. Yeah, it's been good. All right, let's move on to the multicolor then. Indeed. Uh, here we're going to start off with a Johnny the Great Hearted. Two green white for a five loyalty planeswalker. Creatures you control have vigilance. Plus one, you gain three life. Minus two, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control and a loyalty counter on each other planeswalker. I haven't had the opportunity to play with this yet, but holy heck, it seems great in the pro- proliferate deck. Um, I want to first pick this and build that like forest green white around it because I think it's I think the minus two is powerful enough. Um, that being said, it's certainly not the most powerful card in the set. It's probably like a you know, like a like a solid B. It's not the best rare planeswalker, but you can certainly get a lot of value off of it. Uh, this is an A, maybe an A plus. Yes. Really? I have played with it and against it, and the only thing you said wrong was that it's probably good in a proliferate deck. It's good in a deck. That's uh, pumping You pump your entire team, and now there's this Planeswalker sitting there threatening to do that again. Well, I'll just attack it. Probably not, because they made their good attacks, and those creatures have Vigilance, and they're still there to defend it. Uh, so I, I've uh, Johnny's been great. I would first pick, I would Splash. Excellent. It's good to know. Yeah, yeah, this is this is a bomb. Uh, Angrath's Rampage is up next. This is black-red. For a sorcery, choose one. Target player sacrifices an artifact, a creature, or a planeswalker. I like the flexibility of this and that you can reach out and get a, a planeswalker quite easily with it. Um, the sacrificing a creature is less relevant, just like uh, Liliana's Triumph. So this is more of a flexible planeswalker. It's, al- it's almost like an instant speed spark harvest. Is kind of what it feels like to me. Um, I've yet to cast it, so it's going to be a little... Uh, sorry, it's sorcery speed. What am I talking yeah. about? I thought it was instant speed. Never mind. Not as good. Um, I'd rather Spark Harvest, but the fact that you can spend two mana and get a Planeswalker on your opponent's side of the battlefield I think is relevant. Yeah, I think this is probably a C+. I'm not going into black-red because I have it, but once I'm black-red and I see one of these going around the table, yeah, come on in. Not sure why I thought it was instant. I guess i got to read the cards. Yeah, I, I think the other Edict Effect being at Instant kind of primed us for that. Uh, but yeah, this one's a sorcery. Um, up next is Bio Essence Hydra. Uh, three blue 
green for a 4-4 with Trample. It enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each loyalty counter on a Planeswalker you control. Whenever one or more loyalty counters are put onto Planeswalkers you control, put that many plus one, plus one counters on Bio Essence Hydra. I think this card, when I look at it, it's like, it should be a 5-5 or a 6-6 minimum most of the time. Yeah. Whether, right, whether you have a Planeswalker in play or you play a Planeswalker this thing should have that kind of value and then you can just proliferate onto it later so i'm pretty high on this card i think i'm going to take it quite highly and it's a good reason to play blue green or even splash in like your green white yeah this this is pretty good it's it's worth noting that most of the uncommon planeswalkers don't have plus abilities however they do come into play and then get the counters put on them so if you play any of them after this it's going to grow them uh, and if you do happen to have a Planeswalker that has a, a, a plus ability, it's going to be better. And if you're able to proliferate on your own Planeswalkers, and spoiler alert, you're in blue-green, you're going to be able to, it'll get even bigger then. So I, I have not had the chance to play with this yet. An opponent played one, and it was terrifying. So I, I think I like B-plus here. It's pretty good. Yeah, I can I can dig that. Sure. Casualties of War is two black, black, green, green for a sorcery. Choose one or more. Destroy target artifact, creature, enchantment, land, planeswalker. So I had this in a draft the other day, and I didn't get an opportunity to cast it for maximum punishment. The best I was able to do was creature land, because I I just won all the games before I got to cast this. I got artifact, uh, creature, planeswalker, and land, so I'm still missing enchantment for the bingo, uh, let me tell I won that game. Um, I was pretty dang happy with this. I rated this at a B in my initial review, and I think that's a good place to be. I think, like, we will pay five mana for unconditional removal. The fact that you can often get a two-for-one out of this because you're killing a creature and a Planeswalker is very good. Like, I, that happens a lot, I think, with this card. And then you tack on just random land destruction. Like, if your opponent's on Splash or they play a New Horizons, you can take them off mana. Like... That can be relevant at some in some games, so I like that random little upside. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. I think a, like a, a B, B-plus range for me. Um, you can't have too many of these, but it's a nice little top end. I don't think you could get too many of these. Like, I'd play three. Would you? That feels like too many to me. Heck yeah, I'd play three. If this is my six drop, yeah, let's do it. I guess if you're not playing any other six drops. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cruel Celebrant is white-black for a 1-2 whenever Cruel Celebrant or another creature or planeswalker you control dies. Each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. This is a perfect example of what I was talking about earlier where, like, I don't understand why we have these uncommon signposts in a format that doesn't necessarily support them in depth. Yeah. And this this is a prime example of that. It's like, look, hey, you're supposed to go wide and, like, you know, have a bunch of tokens on the table, and then, but like, you can't go wide. There's no token strategy. All your token, like your token grows. Like it just, it just doesn't make any sense. So this, like, I guess we're setting these up for like constructed playable, but it just sucks that you can't do the things that these signpost cards are, are telling you that you should be able to do in this format. So I don't know. Make it a two one, and I play it at a one two. I'm not. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna pick this. I think. Yeah, I, I was in the situation where I thought maybe there's a build-around deck and we could do like a black-white sacrifice deck. But again, every time I've seen my opponent play this, I've been like, oh, cool, that could have been a good card. Um, so I, I think this is actually just like a D-. minus. Like maybe you end up in a weird deck with Dread Malkins and this and you're actually doing it. Uh, but I don't want to play that deck. No, I agree. It's not good enough on its own, this, yeah. this, this card. Yeah, that's the problem. 
Uh, Death Sprout is one black, black, green for an instant. Destroy target creature. Search your library for a basic land card. Put it onto the battlefield. Tapped and shuffle. Yes. Yes, please. How many of these can I have? <laughs> Probably not very many as it's a pretty high pick. I do think it's interesting to note that it's well-costed here. In mm-hmm. this format, green is the color that allows you to splash. Um, and in, in this case, you couldn't really be green, red, and splash this. You'd have to be black, green specifically to play it. Uh, so it kind of goes into your Golgari deck, and maybe you're splashing other things, but you're not splashing the double black for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, un- unless you're playing like blue-black with a bunch of uh, mana geodes or something like that, it's going to be tough to cast this in that deck. But um, I do like that this enables other splashes. I think that's great. So you can be super greedy. I had a, a I had a deck last night that had five mana dorks in green and black. So I had two Leyline Prowlers and three of the other ones. And... I didn't get greedy enough splashing, but I would have loved this in that deck because I could have gone just absolutely ham and played whatever I want and also had removal that got me to those cards and it would have been great. Yeah, I've played that five color green deck and it had two of these in it. It was amazing. Um, So this is like a B-level card at at the very least. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which spark D spark is black white for an instant exile target permanent with converted mana cost four or greater. You should always have a target for this, right? Interesting you should say that. When we played with the card some on stream the other day, we didn't always have a target for it. It feels so weird. Like, I'm always like, I'm like, of course I'm going to have a target for this card. It's it's great. Everything is converted mana cost for a greater. And then your opponents play all these three mana planeswalkers that duck underneath it. And you're and they have this 5-5 five, five amass zombie token. And you're like, man, I wish I could kill that thing. I wish this was just Wanderer's Strike. I, I think it's good. I think it's it's okay. But like... I just want, I just want Wanderer's Strike, or I want Omnixilis's Cruelty, or I want Spark Harvest over this, and it's just harder to cast. Yeah, which moves this into like a C plus level card for me. It's not that it's bad; it's just that like there are people who are going for mass strategies and playing very low to the ground, and you just don't have enough targets. And as Dave mentioned, there's even a couple Planeswalkers that dodge this. Yeah, so play it, but like. Man, don't rely on it. Like, mix in some divine arrows in your deck too. Yeah, I think what I'm getting at with that grade is that it's a good card in your black-white deck, but you shouldn't be drafting a black-white deck because you got one of these. Exactly. Uh, Domri Anarch of Bolas is one green, red for a three loyalty planeswalker. Creatures you control get plus one, plus o, oh, plus one for green or red mana. Creatures you cast this turn cannot be countered. Minus two, fight. I love that it's just minus two fight. So it's a three mana fight spell. Um, and obviously the creature on your side of the battlefield is a little bit bigger. It's not the best rare planeswalker, but like, I'm not going to kick it out of bed for like eating crackers. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with Domri as well. Yeah. Um, I think this comes down to like a B plus level card, meaning like I'm probably taking this out of most packs that I open it in, but I'm, I'm not really like necessarily forcing it just because I opened this. And I, I think I probably still try to splash it some, but maybe not as aggressively as I would some of the others. Sure. I don't think I'm as as high in that B range, but maybe not a B plus for me. I think there's better Planeswalkers. Okay. okay. Uh, Domri's Ambush is green-red for a sorcery. Plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. It then punches target creature or Planeswalker you don't control. I love that this reaches out and hits Planeswalkers. This is like... 
this is great because green red sometimes or at least green in general sometimes needs a way to deal with planeswalkers red has some direct damage that can do it but um i like everything about this card and this is this is your premium removal if you're in this deck yeah agree this is another b-level card mm-hmm. uh dovin's veto is white blue for an instant this spell can't be countered counter target non-creature spell it's not a. I don't think it's a reason to play these colors, but if you're in these colors, I'll certainly pick one up. It's like you're. It's the blue white doom blade. <laughs> yeah, functionally. Not, actually, it's not even really because it's only it's non creature spell. Um, I don't know. I guess it gets planeswalkers. I'm, I'm not interested as much in this card at all. I, I mean, I'm probably going to play this if I'm in these colors. I think I would main deck one negate. Uh, in this format, if we had the ability to do that. Yeah. I, I often did in Kaladesh because it could catch removal spells and vehicles. And I think we've kind of got that same thing going on here, whereas it can catch removal spells or planeswalkers. And I, I think it's very telling that we didn't see Negate printed in this set when it's printed in just about every set. I think it might have been too good here. Uh, so, like, again, I'm not going to go out of my way to pick one of these, uh, but if I have one, I'm going to play it. I guess it's the white Negate. That's a better way to look at it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dreadhorde Butcher is black-red for a 1-1 haste. When it deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. When it dies, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. Yeah, so I guess the play pattern of this one is played on turn two, and then your opponent loses the game. So I initially got caught up on that a little bit too, and that made me dislike the card a little bit more than it deserves. It's worth noting that it's any target, which means that this functionally is a two-mana 2-2, two, two, right? Yeah. As, as far as blocking and attacking are concerned and what it will trade with. And then you've got the upside of if you do land it on turn two, it can kind of get out of control relatively quickly because it's a two-mana 2-2 two, two that immediately hits, and then you untap swinging with a 2-2 a two, two that will grow into a 3-3, three, three, and it's functionally a 3-3 three, three for like how it attacks and blocks. So I, I think I initially dismissed the card a little bit because I was like, eh, people want to do their silly combos and constructed. But after I thought through the play pattern, I'm like, you know, this isn't really any worse than any other two drop when you top deck it later. And it's so good early that it, it's pretty significant because that damage doesn't have to go to a player. It can go to one of their creatures. Uh, so I think this probably adds up to like a B minus level card. Um, like I, I'm not, not taking this over some of the better removal spells. So maybe C plus is a better range, but I'm pretty happy to have this in my two drop drop slot if I'm black and red. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I was being a little, a little facetious there, but like, I, I really like the devil effects. This plays well with combat tricks. Um, and you know, if you end up ever end up, you know, playing splashing, other or i guess not even splashing removal spells but you just have good removal spells in red and black and you can push the damage through with this creature it can get out of control even on like turn five six seven or something like that too so especially if you're trading off resources and trying to keep the board clear um you put all that together i think i'm with you i'm probably not taking it highly enough because it is a rare like i guess it'd be super oppressive if, if it was an uncommon um too bad there's no rarity between rare and uncommon i guess because i think that's where this fits in yeah, and same with the grade between C plus and B minus. But I, I think this is something that, like, if I'm in black, red, and pack two and I open this, I'm probably taking it over a lot of stuff. Okay. Uh, Elite Guard Mage is up next. Two blue-white for a 2-3 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you gain two life and draw a card. Gain three life and draw a card. It's even better. Oh, yeah. Um, No, I, I love everything about this card. And I think this is... Uh, you have a, a, some nice synergies here in blue 
uh, with the 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 four drop that you can return a creature back to your hand. Um, evasion is is great, and evasion that comes with drawing a card and gaining life is even better. Um, I'm picking this very highly. I think. Yeah, I put this one at a B minus, and I think that's a good place for it. Okay. That brings us to Enter the God Eternals. Two blue, blue, black for a sorcery. Deals four damage to target creature. You gain life equal to the damage dealt this way. Target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard. Amass four. This is dumb. This is an A. This is, why did they print this card? Why is it not a mythic? I I guess you don't put removal at mythic. This is ridiculous. It's it's a three or a four for one sometimes. Yeah, it's like Chupacabra's bigger, stronger brother is how I like to look at it. Uh, because typically you're killing one of their creatures, making a 4-4. The milling is somewhat irrelevant. The life gain certainly nice to have. And if you're in blue and black, you probably have additional uh, amass shenanigans going on. So in other cases, it's it's kind of like giving your 2-2, you know, plus 4, plus 4, and haste, sort of. Uh, so th- this card is very strong. Uh, I put it in A-. minus. I, I can't imagine not taking it out of some of the packs that I open it in. Yeah, we never have to worry about that on Arena because of the not. it's not compared to foils, right? So I think this is a first pick out of every single pack on Arena. Agree. Okay. Feather the Redeemed is red, white, white for a 3-4 flyer. When you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, exile the card instead of putting it into your graveyard. If you do, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. I'm sorry, I turned off after you said 3-4 flyer for 3. Yeah, I, a lot of people have gotten focused on how often I'm going to be able to do this in limited, and I'm like, it kind of doesn't matter. You've got a really efficiently costed flyer that's great at attacking, great at blocking, hits planeswalkers, and like you're playing red white, you're going to have some combat tricks, and they just got better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not picking it for the second ability ever, so this is probably like in that like, like it's hard to cast, so probably like a B ish range. It's a B plus, dude. Like, sure. and I, I'm going to draft a couple combat tricks a little higher once I have this. Like, I might go from wanting one or two in my deck to wanting three. Um, okay. But that's not a bad thing to have in your deck anyway. I guess not. I really don't want to have to first pick this because all of my experience with red white that I've watched and played has been terrible so far. So it leans heavier on the white than the red. That's for sure. Um, I've Absolutely. had some success with it, but it's involved a lot of the Pegasus Pegasi. Uh, Gleaming Overseer is next at one blue black for a one four when it enters the battlefield of mass one zombie tokens you control have hexproof and menace. Menace, yeah, this is a at least this is a signpost. Like this is like, hey, you can do the thing with this uncommon and it's pretty good. I really like this. The one four body is super relevant, and um the menace on your giant army is uh, usually relevant as well. Yeah, this plays very nicely with other Amass cards, and you're probably not hating play it on its own. Uh, But again, blue-black just is so full of Amass, you're going to end up with it anyway. Mm -hmm. Heartwarming Redemption is two red-white for an instant. Discard all the cards in your hand. Draw that many cards plus one. You gain life equal to the number of cards in your hand. I I honestly don't know why this card is in the set. (laughs) Are you ever going to cast this card? I mean, I guess it's instant, but like... I don't understand what I want to be doing with this card. Discarding a bunch of lands? Like, why not just play the the red tormenting voice? I already have cast this card. I decided to see how deep I could go on a Spells Matter deck. Um, and O2 later, I've decided I probably don't want to do that again. And this card is just bad. Yeah. Uh, so I rated, about... I rated it as D. Say... I don't, don't think I particularly like it. But you can put it in your deck and discard some lands and, and recycle them if that's what you're doing. Sure. Can we also say that, like, 
I'm wondering if like the red the the blue red deck is not like specifically a blue red spells deck. It's just a blue red deck that has a bunch of cards that kind of work together. Yeah, that's fair too. Okay, okay. I don't I don't think there necessarily needs to be a spells deck, but like anyway, yeah, I'm never gonna cast this card, so let's carry on. Yeah, I would say that too, except I already did, and it was bad. <laughs> Uh, Hotley's Raptor is green-white for a 2-3 Vigilance when it enters the battlefield. Proliferate. Hey, another uncommon that actually does the thing it's supposed to do. Um, I kind of like this card. I really, like, I really want to open this card. I really want to play with this card. Um, it's, I'm probably not taking it early because it's a hard-to-cast 2-3 with Vigilance, but if I'm opening it pack 2 and I'm, like, solidly white or green, it's like, sweet, get in my deck. Let's go proliferate some stuff. Yeah, it's a B-minus in that scenario, and it takes the box of a 2-drop that's good on turn 2 and does something later in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm pretty happy with this card, too. Okay. Invade the City is one blue-red for a sorcery, a mass X, where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. So is there enough instant and sorcery cards in your average deck to make this worth it? Like, no. what, is, what is a mass... What does X have to be to be happy? I guess it's got to be 3, because we can get Relentless Advance for 4. Yeah. So you're never casting this on curve? No. And that's okay. that's the thing to be aware of with it. You you absolutely have to build around it for it to do something. I think when you're doing that, it can get into the C-plus range. Uh, but it, it's, it's like I'm not willing to take it early enough to actually try to build around it. I think where this goes is when you've already been picking some good removal spells in red, you've got some of the spells that amass like incrementally or incidentally, I suppose is the word. Uh, And then you see this very late. You're like, hey, I could probably put this in this deck and it would do something. Uh, So make sure you have some other reasons, like some of the amassed lords or something that's going to make that interesting or some some spells that secretly act as creatures because they're amassing anyway. Mm -hmm. I think I just rather Relentless Advance. So I'm going to put it at a grade or half grade below Relentless Advance, which I don't remember what it was. Fair enough. Leyline Prowler was one black green for a 2-3 death touch lifelink tap for one mana of any color. I love this card. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been um, super happy with this too. So I know that like green, base green shenanigans is like the way to go for your multicolor, but like don't sleep on green black multicolor shenanigans because black will give you the support that you need for the removal. Green will give you the the fixing and then this little guy right here is just it slices it dices it does it all. Um, we need a nickname for this one, like Vampire Elf Hawk, uh, Vampire Nightwalk. Um, I don't know what we're looking for this one, but like the Death Touch is relevant at all points in the game. The Life Link is relevant early and sometimes mid to late game as well. And obviously the the fixing and the ramp is relevant, so you can build any kind of deck around this one that you want in your base green black colors, and I really like that. Yeah, I think I'd get a nickname at B minus. Okay, B minus. <laughs> Living Twister is red, red, green for an elemental. Two, five, one in a red, discard a land card, deal two damage to any target. Green, return a tapped land you control to its owner's hand. You know, it's kind of funny. What's that? In a normal set, I feel like this card would be super oppressive. It'd be like, oh my god, I can't believe they're playing Living Twister. And then in this set, there's just so many good rares that it's like. Yeah, okay, they're playing Living Twister. Like, it sucks, but, like, I can deal with this. At least it's not an Ugin. Yeah. <laughs> Fair but, enough. Like, the, the ability to turn all your dead cards into shocks is great. This will finish out a game. This will finish off a Planeswalker. This will kill a creature. This makes combat impossible for your opponent. Um, and the fact that it's a 2-5 body, which is really good on defense, 
Um, it, yeah, I, I love everything about this. Yeah, it adds up to a solid B plus for me. The only concern is that casting cost. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mayhem Devil is one black red for a three three. Whenever a player sacrifices a permanent Mayhem Devil, deals one damage to any target. I kind of like this card, and not because it of its ability, but because it's a three three for three with this ability. Yeah, I don't think the ability comes up that often. Um, you may have a couple of spark harvests in your deck, but I, I haven't just seen things I wanted to sacrifice. So for me, I was kind of like, yeah, this is a 3-3 in, in Ragtos, which is just a C-level card for me. Uh, usually a 3-3 for three, three, three would be maybe C, C-plus range. There's sets where like Nissan Corsair was like the best thing you could be doing. I think because it's a hard-to-cast 3-3 three, three for 3, I'm, I'm going to come down on C. It's, again, one of those synergy things where it's like, hey, there's a Black-Red Sacrifice deck. But after you look through the commons, you're like, uh, there's kind of not. It's any player. True. So if your opponent if your opponent is doing anything with sacrifice, then this punishes them as well. And I think like if this is like a two two for three, I'm not nearly as interested. But the fact that the body is relevant at most stages of the game, you might be able to catch somebody with their pants down on this one and, and get them with like, you know, they have spark harvest that they want to be able to cast, but now they have to lose their planeswalker or something like that. So um, these are better in multiples. And if you have a couple of random things, like if you have spark harvest of your own, obviously it gets a little better. Um, but sometimes you can get your opponent with this, I think. So I think you add all that up, and I think I'm interested in this if I'm already black-red. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too, but mainly for the body for me. Sure. Merfolk Skydiver is green-blue for a 1-1 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, put a plus-one, plus-one counter on target creature you control, and then three blue-green proliferate. What was this, Skyrider Patrol? This is the Skyrider Patrol of the format. Yeah, I've gotten a chance to play with this, and it was actually pretty good. Yeah, this is a, this is a high pick for me. Uh, this is a reason to be green. Period. Like you don't have to be green blue for this one. I think playing this on the splash is perfectly fine because it's so good late game. In fact, I almost don't want to play it early if I don't have to, because I'd much rather be able to play it on seven mana to get a proliferate with it right away if I have that opportunity. Yeah, but the fact that you can and it's just a two mana two two flyer is mm-hmm. pretty significant. Like that's a serious threat. Yeah, if I have other proliferate in my hand, obviously I'm going to play it down on turn two if I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brings us to Neoform, which is blue-green for a sorcery. As an additional cost to cast this spell sacrifice creature, search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put it onto the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter, and then shuffle. So in my four-color or five-color deck, I can have Mayhem Devils on the battlefield, sacrifice something... To get another mayhem, no, I, I'm, I'm out on this card. I'm not interested at all. Generally speaking, I'm out too. If you have, if you happen to be green blue, you have a bunch of three drops, and you have a kefnet. Uh, maybe you do want to play one of these because there are some creatures you can go get that are worth jumping through a few hoops and maybe discarding a card to do. I had an opponent sacrifice a four drop and get the new nip mizzet, and I lost that game. So like. There's some things you can do with this, so I'm going to rate it a D, but I don't think I'm ever going to do any of them. Agreed. Up next is Nickel Bolus Dragon God. Blue, black, 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 red for a four-loyalty Nikki B. Uh, Nickel Bolus has all loyalty abilities for all other Planeswalkers on the battlefield. That's yours and your opponent's. 
plus one draw a card. Each opponent exiles a card from their hand or a permanent they control. Minus three, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Minus eight, each opponent who doesn't control a legendary creature or planeswalker loses the game. Uh, Yeah, I guess it's a reason to play Grixis now. You open this pack through your Grixis. Congratulations. Yeah, if I'm anywhere close to it, I'm certainly going to play it. Like, this is an A+, except for the mana considerations. Like, it's worst-case scenario, a five-mana removal spell that your opponent has to interact with. Um, Best-case scenario, it's card advantage. And who knows what other Planeswalkers you may have laying around. I uh, Now, this was in Constructed, but I was able to start you know manifesting because I had an Ugin in play. Um, if you've got Planeswalkers that have a plus-two ability, you can actually tick Nikki B up quite quickly. Um, so there's there's a lot of interesting play patterns with Nikki B. It's super flexible and just a super strong card. And it's just asking that you be a heavy black deck because you can splash either of the other colors. Right. That brings us to the aforementioned Niv-Mizzet Reborn, which is Wooburg for a 6-6 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each color pair, choose a card that's exactly those colors from among them. Put the chosen cards in your hand, the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. This is the definition of a pick pick one pack three for me. <laughs> I'm already five color nonsense. Sweet, I am now solidly five color nonsense. Um, I mean, it's it's cool, it's neat. It's not a card for me to first pick. Um, build around obviously goes in exactly one deck. Yeah, and I then, and then even then, it's just a six mana fly or a five mana flying six six that sometimes might get you some cards. Every time I've seen this resolved, and I've already seen it resolved three times, it's drawn two cards, uh, which has been pretty hefty. So I I initially rated this as, like, unplayable, because, like, how are you casting this? And it turns out it's not that crazy to do in conjunction with Green and Gifts of Paradise. So I I think it's definitely a build-around card, but if you do it, it's going to be quite strong. Mm Mm-hmm. Oath of Kaya is one black-white for a legendary enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, it deals three damage to any target and you gain three life. Whenever an opponent attacks a planeswalker, you control with one or more creature. It's, it deals two damage to that player and you gain two life. I think this is a solid, like, B for removal. Um, sucks that it's in the rare spot because, like, it's eating up a, a good rare spot from something else. But the the... Second ability on this can also be quite relevant, too. I've had games where my opponent has this and Planeswalkers, and it's like, like, do I go at the Planeswalkers and put myself to five or, or three life even? Or do I have to ignore those Planeswalkers now and, and try to try to go to face and, and not take that extra damage? So that, that second ability can be kind of relevant, uh, even in Limited. Yeah, I think this is a very strong card, too. Okay. Uh, Pledge of Unity is next in Selesnia Colors. One green-white for an instant. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control and gain one life for each creature you control. So I guess if you have... It's pretty good if you have two creatures. It's pretty bad if you have less than that. Yeah, but that's not a huge ask in Limited. It isn't. It really isn't. And I've seen a lot of grindy board states. This can swing you the game in a grindy board state, so I kind of like it. It's like... uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's it's not like it's not like win more, but it certainly is like push your advantage more. So like you're you're slightly ahead on the board state. This will put you way ahead on the board state if your opponent goes for a bunch of double blocks, or even on defense, right, where you can just jump up and eat your cre- eat your opponent's creatures when they think they have the edge on you. So it's a sneaky good card, and and the, the life gain also helps a little bit too. Yeah, that pushes it into the B minus range for me, and mm-hmm. I think you need to like 
prevent looking at the best case as the only case because it's like people see this and think I'm going to attack in and they're going to line up their blocks perfectly so that my six creatures kill their six creatures and your opponent's just never that nice about it. I look at it as a slightly expensive combat trick that has a lot of potential given certain board states and that's why I'm rating it so highly. Okay. That'll bring us to Raul Storm Conduit. Uh, two blue red for a four loyalty planeswalker. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, Raul deals one damage to target opponent or planeswalker. Plus two for scry one. That put him at six loyalty. Minus two when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn. Copy it and choose new targets if you like. Excuse me. This is really good if you can protect him and have an instant and sorcery in your hand, like Tamio's Epiphany or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um. He's good. I, I, what I struggle with is it's like, it, it's not a lot of hoops, but like if you don't have instant sorceries in your hand, it just doesn't do anything. The scry one is just not valuable at all uh, for, for the four, for the four mana. So I think it's good. It's probably not as good as a Johnny. So I, I probably like a half grade below a Johnny, I think on my list would be, would be where I'm at on this card. I'm going to put this one at a B plus uh, because from what I've seen, you you don't have that much trouble picking up spells that you're happy playing in blue and red anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you ever get to copy any of them, you've already got your value. And like six loyalty for four mana is huge. Like that, that's a lot. So you say the scry doesn't matter. It will over a couple turns. And if they don't attack it, um, you're going to have the turns to be able to cash that scry into something. So I, I've been pretty happy playing with Ral and playing against Ral. Uh, so that's that's why I'm putting him in that range. I think I would splash for him if I'm in either of the other colors. Like, I'm going to have five spells. Uh, it's not unreasonable to think I can copy one. Okay. We have Ral's Outburst and Uncommon. Uh, two blue-red for an instant. Three damage to any target. Look at the top two cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand, the other into your graveyard. Oh, that's a sweet card right there. Yeah. This is yeah, this is pretty good. This is um it's funny cuz it's actually pretty close to what that Jaya's greeting which is one in a red three damage scry one. Mhm. Obviously you don't draw the card, but it's pretty close. Um I want combinations of this and those cards. Uh I really like this card. This is like a, you know, B minus removal spell. Yeah, and only because it's a little hard to cast and doesn't kill everything, but it mm-hmm. usually kills something relevant, whether it's a Planeswalker that's had an activation, and then you get your best card out of your top three. Uh, so it, replacing itself is kind of huge. Yep. Uh, Rolesque Apex Hybrid is two green-green-blue for a 4-5 Flying Trample. Okay. When it enters the battlefield, put pl- two plus-one plus-one counters on another creature you control. Okay. And when it dies, proliferate twice. God, I love that it proliferates, then proliferates again. Um, this this is a this is a bonkers card. It's not quite god level, so I gotta rate it like a half grade below the gods. Um, but you could stop at four mana, four or five flying trample, and it would also still be very good in this format. Um, it's just so much value. You get six power and seven toughness for your five mana. And then you get at least another, potentially, two power and toughness when this dies. And your opponent is going to kill it. Like, if you have a removal spell in your hand, your opponent plays this, and they they have a 4-5, and they make a, they turn a 2-2 into a 4-4. Like, what are you going to kill? Are you going to kill the 4-4 and die to the 4-5 Flying Trample? Or are you going to kill the 4-5 and die to the 6-6? Six, six? 
Yeah, I think this is actually close to on the same level of gods, because the gods, usually you slam them, and then your opponent goes, oh crap, I got a top deck. Whereas this, you slam it, and they go, oh crap, I'm dead. Because there's plenty of scenarios where you can put those counters on creatures that didn't have an attack, and now they do. So if you're in any sort of advantage state, it pushes you right over the edge. So I, I think it's up there on power level, but it functionally doesn't matter. At a mythic, you're not going to ever have to make that choice. Exactly. Uh, so A-plus for me, this card's great. Roll Reversal is blue-blue-red for a sorcery exchange control of two target permanents that share a permanent type. Sweet. So I can trade off my... Uh, I guess I can trade off my Amass token for their best creature, or I can trade off my 1-2 Lazatep for... Oh, sorry, wrong colors. But um, yeah, I, I really like this card. I i don't know how I would grade it, but I'm certainly going to pick it out of a lot of packs if I'm... This is a, probably a reason to to play red blue, and it's certainly a reason to splash red in your blue green deck. Yeah, I ended up rating this a B minus because it's a little hard to cast, uh, but it, it's functionally very similar to Switcheroo. Like mm-hmm. I'm hoping to trade off my Planeswalker that I've already used all the activations on for yours that you haven't, or to trade my worst creature for your best. Uh, and a lot of people didn't seem to grasp how good Switcheroo was. Um, it, this is just as good as that, but it's like, hey, you got to be heavy blue and red in order to play it. Uh, so that's the only part I'm a little down on. Okay. Rubble Pelt Rioters is one green red for a 0-4 with haste. When it attacks, it gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the greatest number, uh, greatest power among creatures you control. This is an interesting card because even if you have no other creatures... Like, an 0-4 that can get better next turn when you play a creature is pretty decent. And the fact that they can just block and defend your Planeswalker, too, if you have one. Um, this is an interesting play pattern on this card. Sometimes it's going to come down and smash face. Sometimes it's going to come down and then smash face when you play a 4-drop. Mm-hmm. The only time it sucks is when your creatures suck. And that's not often in green-red. Yeah, so it's it's like it's bad if it's the only creature you have, but other than that, it's fine. I want to yeah. play a crunch into this and just kill people with it. That's kind of my dream. Um, I think that still brings us down to like a C-plus level card. Like, once you're in those colors, you're pretty interested in it. Yeah, sure. Uh, Solar Blaze is two red-white for a sorcery. Each creature deals damage to itself equal to its power. <sighs> are you Are you main decking this? Yes. You are. Okay. I have not figured out how high to pick this card yet. So I've had some good experiences with this and I've had some bad experiences with it. Some decks, in particular the blue-black deck, just completely like ignore this card a lot mm. of the time. You get a zombie token and then your opponent just has a bunch of like one threes and two fours sitting around or whatever. Um, but it does kill a lot of relevant stuff. So it's pretty easy, I think, to engineer a board state where you are wiping at least half of your opponent's creatures... And keeping some number of your creatures. Um, and just like any board wipe, obviously, if you know that it's coming and if, if it's in your hand, you can play around it to the best of your ability. Um, like, are you first picking this out of packs? I don't know if I am. I'm, I'm probably doing it, but I'm I'm not certain. Quite often I am. Uh, okay. It's it's close enough to a board wipe that I'm happy about it. Uh, so that puts it at a B-plus level card for me. Okay. Uh, that would bring us to Soren Vengeful Bloodlord. Uh, two white black for a four loyalty planeswalker. As long as it's your turn, creatures and planeswalkers you control have lifelink. Plus two, he deals one damage to target player or planeswalker. You'll gain life from that because it is static. 
minus X, return target creature card with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature is also a vampire. Uh, this one's pretty solid, even though I haven't actually had the opportunity to play with it. Um, the lifelink ability, I think, can can do some work on your side of the table. The, I guess the plus one reaching out to hit a Planeswalker is also super relevant, um, but the X ability is obviously where I'm I'm most interested in. I'd rather this than the Command the Dreadhorde. Oh, for sure. Every every single time. Um, just because of the, the life gain, the flexibility, the ability to maybe reach out and get a Planeswalker. Um, and if you have any kind of evasion, which you sometimes do in white, um, gaining that extra life right away is pretty sweet. Yeah, and I, I found the typical... I, I have gotten to play with this a couple times. Typically, what you're doing is slamming it down, buying something back to defend itself, and then ticking it up over a few turns and threatening to buy back something better. Okay. Soul Diviner is blue-black for a 2-3 zombie wizard. Tap, remove a counter from an artifact creature land or planeswalker you control, draw a card. What a way to cash in your your dead or mostly dead uncommon planeswalkers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and for, you know, it's it's a pretty big ask asking you to play a two-mana 2-3. Two, yeah, exactly. No, I love everything about this card. This is a high pick for me. Yeah, it, it goes into the B-minus range, but it's another one of those where I, I'm not going to first pick it a lot because I'm scared of the color commitment. Uh, but once I know that I'm blue-black and I open one of these, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, we're on the same page. Uh, Storev Devkarin Lich is one black, black, green for a 5-4 trample. When it deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, return to your hand target creature or planeswalker card in your graveyard that wasn't put there this combat. This card is silly. Yeah, it's a bomb. Um, yeah, it's it's a bomb. It's Taskmaster on steroids. It's Taskmaster on steroids, and like it's gonna connect if you have any combat tricks and you're you're green black. You know, narrator, they have combat tricks. It gets even better. Uh, not to mention it, like it's a it's a four mana five four trample. It's just great. Yeah, everything about this card is great. This is a reason to play black green. Agree. Uh, Temio, Collector of Tales, is next at 2 green-blue for a 5-loyalty Planeswalker. Spells and abilities your opponent's control can't cause you to discard cards or sacrifice permanence. Plus 1, choose a non-land card name. Reveal the top 4 cards of your library. Put our cards with the chosen name in your hand, the rest in your graveyard. Minus 3, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. This feels like a do-nothing card to me in Limited. Prove me wrong. Uh, I've seen people doing things with it. I ended up rating it at a D. And I think that was a little, of, like, not quite right. You need to build around it a little bit. Uh, but doing a little bit of self-mill is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, because, like, her plus one and her minus three play very well together. You name a card you're looking for. If you don't find it, uh, you can choose one of the best cards in your graveyard to get back the following turn. And you're able to do that twice. Uh, so I, I think it's doing enough. Uh, D was okay. too bad. Maybe it's a C plus. Um, but it, it does ask you to do a little bit of work in, in building around it. Okay, I just put it on the same page as like a like a recover, or like a, what's the green one? Was it recover? Was green? Yeah, and regrowth like, or whatever. Regrowth, and it's just like that. Usually wasn't good enough. It's not, but being able to do it twice sometimes is. Uh, and the fact okay. that you could like one of the problems with her growth is what if I don't have anything in the graveyard? Well, she's going to make sure that you do with her plus one ability. Okay, so I'm never going to take her. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, that's fair. It's it's just yeah. Okay. Uh, you will towards the end of the format when you're bored. Sounds good. Uh, Teferi Time Raveler is one blue white for a four loyalty planeswalker. Each opponent can't cast spell. Each opponent can cast spells only any time they could cast a sorcery. 
plus one until your next turn. You may cast sorcery cards as though they had flash. Minus three, return up to one target artifact, creature, or enchantment to its owner's hand and draw a card. So I'm only ever casting creatures anyway, so the the, the static ability doesn't mean anything to me. Um, no, <laughs> It's um, it's really just come down, bounce something, and then maybe hang around and bounce something again, right? Like, I'm not missing anything about this card. Uh, you draw a card when it happens. You feel real safe attacking right. into your opponent uh, because they're not going to use combat tricks. They're not going to use instant speed removal. So the board state is as it is. We play in Hearthstone now. Um, so, like, the static ability isn't irrelevant. It doesn't do a lot in Limited, but it, it, it certainly does something. Okay. Yeah, and I was, I was totally fine with a three-mana bounce draw card. So... You add all that together, and the fact you might be able to repeat it is seems reasonable to me. B yeah. range? Yeah, I put him at a B minus, and B may actually be more accurate. Okay. 10th District Legionnaire is red-white for a 2-2 haste. Whenever you cast a spell that targets it, put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and then scry one. God, there's not enough things that target in red-white that are good. No, but like it's not asking you to do that much at a two mana two two haste, and then if you have a combat trick, it gets even better. That's hard to cast. I mean, yeah, sure, like I'll take it, but it's like it's it's another one of those signposts. It's like like I can't take this pick one and say, sweet, we're gonna build around this card because there's just not enough to build around this card. Yeah, but I don't think it's asking you to do that much. It's asking you to play some combat tricks, and we've already seen some okay ones in white and red. Um, so for me, this is a C plus, but it's again, a situation where I'm not picking it early. It's like a pack two. I'm red, white. Cool. Let's get this in. I just wanted like my uncommons in each color to be like, you know, a solid B minus most of the time fun to build around. And this just doesn't fit the bill for me, which is, it's more of my personal critique on some of these uncommon, uh, flag post or signpost cards. Yeah. I, I think the point of this set was the planeswalkers themselves, especially them being at uncommon. So that's yep. where we really get our, our oomph. Agreed. Time wipe is two white, white, blue for a sorcery. Return a creature you control to its owner's hand, then destroy all creatures. <sighs> really? Really? How many board wipes do I have to play around in this format now? So there's the, the, the black mythic, which is basically a board wipe. There's this one. There's solar flare. I thought there was another one too that was basically or a uh, massacre girl. Um, like, do I just can I am I just allowed to commit things to the board at all? Yeah, they're all rare, man. Like, I, I I've played a lot of limited in this set, and I haven't seen that many of these. It doesn't matter. You know me. I'm like, oh man, they they totally have a board wipe here, and then they then they have a board wipe. I'm the king at I'm the king at soul reads. Yeah, when they blow you out. They always blow me out. That's the problem. No, this 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 card is bonkers. Yeah, you should take pick it. this and you should put it in your deck. It's an A. Exactly. Uh, Tulsimir, Friend to Wolves, is two green, green, white for a 3-3. Three, three. When it enters the battlefield, create a 3-3 three, three green and white wolf creature token. Uh, whenever a wolf enters the battlefield under your control, you gain three life. And that wolf fights up to one target creature you don't control. So the creature doesn't have to fight, which is good, because there might not be a target on the other side of the battlefield. Um, and there are some number of wolves in this format. Obviously, best pa- best friends with with Arlen. Um, but this card on its own is just is very, very good. It's not quite, like, bomby-bomby level, but it is certainly very good value level. 
it's pretty dang close to bomby level and much like the the black green removal spell we saw earlier this one is costed a little differently you can totally splash for this i totally have mm -hmm. and it's been good uh, so i put this at a b plus it's not going to win yeah. you the game on its own but it will lead to a situation where you can win yeah i think we're on the same page on that one i definitely take it like a b plus i think uh, Tyrant Scorn is up next. Uh, Blue-black for an instant. Choose one. Destroy target creature with converted mana cost three or less. Or return target creature to its owner's hand. I really like this card. Compared to the D-Spark, I think this is significantly better than D-Spark. Yeah, it's interesting because it, like, it can target anything, right? Like if you have to bounce something, you have the ability to do that. Even if it's your own creature. If it's something that's, that's valuable and you want to be able to recast it. Uh, and it's just a good two mana removal spell for for little stuff. So I, I think this one's quite good. I ended up rating this at a B minus. Uh, yeah, again, the, the mana cost right is a little bit difficult. I like the fact that compared to D Spark, this reaches out and kills the the army tokens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly does. Mm -hmm. uh, widespread brutality is one black red red for a sorcery amass two. Then the army you amassed deals damage equal to its power to each non army creature. So what are we up to, like, 12 board wipes now? <laughs> yeah. That leaves behind a creature? Like, come on. I understand they're all rare, but, like, this card is also bonkers. Yeah, I've gotten to play with this one, too. This one takes a little bit more work uh, because you do need to have additional amass cards in your deck uh, in order to make it actually kill everything or be willing to attack in with some of your other creatures and, you know, be willing to set that up and, and be left with a 2-2. But it, it's not a huge ask in black-red. Again, this one's double red, so you're mainly on the red side. Uh, but it's not a huge ask to have a mass in those colors. Yeah, I mean, blue seems to be the better a mass, like, color, at least from the ability side. But black certainly does have a lot of a mass on its side. So shouldn't be that hard to get a 4-4 and wipe the board. I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> this, format is, this format is bananas. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Angrath, Captain of Chaos, is two Rakdos Rakdos for a five loyalty Planeswalker. Creatures you control have Menace. What a static ability. Uh, minus two, amass two. Uh, I really like Angrath. This is probably one of my top Planeswalker uncommons. Um, the static ability is super relevant, especially against opposing Planeswalkers. The amass two is very relevant, uh, and, they, and it's not that hard to cast on either side of the, the casting cost. So you can play it in basically any of your red or black based decks it really doesn't matter everything is relevant about this card yeah and it's the first of the hybrid planeswalkers that we bumped into but like first picking these feels really good because they can go in so many different decks it doesn't have to be red black it could be black green or red blue and you're still playing this uh -huh. ashiok dream render is one demir demir for a five loyalty planeswalker Spells and abilities your con opponent's control can't cause their controller to search their library. Minus one target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard and then exile opponent's graveyard. Ashiok is... I'm of two minds of, of, on Ashiok. One is that Ashiok by Ashiok's self is not great. Ashiok in a control shell or with a way to recur Ashiok or multiple Ashioks is now incredibly scary. And I think that playing it outside of that shell is probably, either of those shells is probably incorrect. Um, but I, every time my opponent has played an Ashiok, granted I have won the game or at least won the match, I have been 
very concerned about the Ashiok on the other side of the table and felt like I had to go out of my way to deal with it because I could not win the game basically I couldn't it felt like I couldn't win the game fast enough so I needed Ashiok off the table to make sure I had the time to do that and then you won the game I mean yes but a lot of the time it was actually quite close yeah I and I think that's the true trap potential of Ashiok is where I have found Ashiok to shine is what you're saying in like a dedicated control deck those don't come together very often in limited and the win mm-hmm. condition of those control decks almost doesn't matter. Like you could literally be splashing for a three, four flyer and win the game with that just as easily as you could with Ashiok. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've also had opponents who I had somebody that curved out dread horde invasion into an amass spell. And I was like, Oh my God, they can't have anything else or I'm just dead. And they played an Ashiok and I breathed a sigh of relief and proceeded to kill them. Because, like, it just sat there and did literally nothing while they got a little over, like, over-invested in their amass token. And the the final turn, I attacked through for what they thought was going to not be lethal. They didn't block, and I used two combat tricks and killed them. Uh, meanwhile, Ashiok did indeed get four activations, and I didn't care. I've had games where Ashiok is activated seven or six times, and it's like, once you get... Ashiok on, on Ashiok's own is not enough to do that. You, you really need to recur or blink or something have multiples in order to, to make sure that you can have that that condition. A really scary deck that I played against was two Ashioks, a Teo, and a Dovin. And it was kind of like like you're you're gonna it's like prison. Like I'm locked down. I can't do anything here. It's a pillow fort on the other side of the battlefield. Um and that was really difficult. I actually I won that match two games to one, but only because they stumbled in one game and it's like now your Ashiok doesn't do anything, but like you combine all of those lame planeswalkers together into one super powerful deck, and uh, and you have a nice little control deck over there, and, and that's actually pretty scary. And that's where Ashiok's finisher comes into play, essentially. Yeah. So for me, that makes Ashiok a D. It's not that they don't do anything; it's that you need to put in some work to make it do the thing. I think in the right deck, it's much higher, but I think you need it's a build around. If I had to steal a term from other play, other other podcasts that do set reviews yeah that's that's fair uh okay. that brings us to Dovin hand of control to azorius for a five loyalty planeswalker artifact instant and sorcery cards your opponents cast cost one more minus one until end of turn until your next turn prevent all damage that would be dealt to and by target permanent and opponent controls how much life gain do you have to get for two and a blue or two and a white to be a, a, a good card like 15? Would you, would you play 3 mana gain 15 life? No. You, you might. That's a lot of life. I probably wouldn't, which is why I have Dovin rated at a D. Yeah. I don't think I would either, but like, there's got to be a number. Everybody's got a number. Um, This is like, obviously really good at protecting planeswalkers, but other than that, it's not it's not very good. Yeah, if you've got one that has an uptick that you're looking to ultimate and win the game with, that's where Dovin can start to become interesting. Or you're just looking to mega stall and dirtle and have a bunch of card draw and you can afford putting something like this in your deck. So uh-huh. Tamiyo's Epiphany makes something like this more playable, but it's still not a great card. Yep. Uh, Hwatli is to end Celestia for a 7 loyalty Planeswalker. Each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than power. Minus three, gain life equal to the greatest toughness among creatures you control. So how much life would are, would you need to gain in order to play a two ma- or a three mana, two and a white spell? Is it 15? 
Yeah. Because this I, doesn't I, do much. It doesn't. I did kill somebody with Teo's Light Shields once um, because of Whatley. So, like, it, it, there's a deck that you can put this in, and it's not bad. And it was, like, a big-butt proliferate deck. Uh, and it was actually okay there. So I, I think this one, if we're going to build around again, it's probably up into the B-minus range in that deck if you get a bunch of Teo's Light Shields. But generally speaking, I'm not super interested in this. Yeah, I'm, I'm same page on that one. Okay. Uh, Kaya, Bane of the Dead, is three Orzov, 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 so six mana total for seven loyalty Planeswalker. Uh, basically, your opponent's stuff doesn't have Hexproof and minus three Exile target creature. Do you like your two-for-ones? Because I like my two-for-ones. Yeah, this is mana. just two removal spells. Yeah, this is not as good as Angreth, but super, super solid. I'm taking Angreth first, I think, because this is hard to cast, uh, unless you're playing straight uh, straight black-white. But yeah, Kaya's awesome. You're wrong. This is better than Angrath, and it's not harder to cast, and it goes in just as many decks. I understand it might be three black black in that black. particular deck. Yeah, three black black black, but to get two removal spells, like that's a hoop I'll jump through. Like I'll bend my that's, mana base a little bit for it. That's fair. I'll be beating you down with Angrath while you're waiting for your third black mana. I mean, I've got other stuff in the deck too, you hush. It's not like I'm playing Dovins and Ashiox. <laughs> um,. Kiora Behemoth Beckoner is two Simic for seven loyalty Planeswalker. Whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card, minus one untapped target permanent. I like that it's a two mana Planeswalker, and we liked Colossal Majesty three. sometimes. Three. No, it's two. Nope. It's... You, you untap you a land. Yeah, but you'd have to be able to use the mana that turn for it to actually be a two mana Planeswalker. Yes, and on curve, that's very easily to, very easy to do. Anyway, my my point being is that she's relatively cheap. If you want to use her to ramp, you can. And we liked Colossal Majesty sometimes in the right deck, which is not quite this. It's I guess. so far away from this. Like once you got Colossal Majesty triggered once, it triggered every turn. She doesn't do that. It's only when you resolve one. Well, not necessarily. It didn't trigger every turn because your opponent was often removing things. Sure. I mean, I'm 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 not high on this card. I just think that like. People will find a deck for this one, and it'll be fine in those decks. Ethan talked me into a C- minus for this uh, when we did our set review, and it's significantly worse than that. It's a D. Uh, like, there's there's better ways to ramp in green. Giving a creature vigilance just wasn't super relevant, and every time I've seen my... I've yet to see... I've seen a bunch of opponents cast this, and I haven't seen anybody draw a card off of it yet. Really? Well, they did obviously build their deck wrong, then. That must be what it is. Because why aren't you playing your why aren't you aren't you playing your five five mana four four or five mana five four on turn four after playing this on turn three? Because you're putting a card in your deck that doesn't really do anything. Like I can get a two one hex proof that can block or attack and ramp me, uh, and I don't need to draw more cards because I didn't put this in hand. Um, I don't I don't like Kiora. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, Nahiri Storm of Stone is two Boros Boros for six loyalty Walker. As long as it's your turn, creatures you control have first strike and equip abilities cost one less to activate. Minus X. Nahiri deals X damage to target tapped creature. I really like this. Because it's 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 not like the, the spells like Assassinate or Take Vengeance where you, you wait for your opponent to do this um, and then you have to spend a card and you've already taken the damage and, and things like that. Like she comes down and she can do it twice which is mm-hmm. relevant, and then the first strike ability is also super relevant. So you add all that together, and it's a it's a very good card. Not quite Angrath level, um, but certainly in that top tier. I think it it's close to Angrath level for me. Like, it can get a lot of utility creatures if you sequence it correctly. Like, 
if you have this in play, you're never killing your opponent's Law Rune Enforcer. But if you get a threat down that they need to tap before combat, all of a sudden you can kill the Law Rune Enforcer. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's like a very flexible assassinate. And then as you mentioned, if that's not what you need and you just need to get in a racing situation, that first strike is super relevant. And it's almost like, who cares if you attack back and knock her to five loyalty? I'll still have the first strike next turn and I'm going to hit you hard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sahili Sublime Artificer is one, is it, is it for a five loyalty walker? Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature. Minus two target artifact you control becomes a copy of another target artifact or creature you control until end of turn, except it's an artifact. It's really just Murmuring Mystic, except without the ability to block. Yeah. And I didn't think that would matter that much, but it kind of does. It kind of does. Like, when you look at it that way, the fact that it doesn't die to creature removal is kind of relevant. Um, Like, you need a bunch of servos off of this, though. Right, you like you can't just put this in a deck. Well, I guess it triggers off planeswalkers, which is relevant, but you can't just put this in a deck with like five non-creature spells and think that it's legitimately going to do anything. I did have somebody make a servo and then like copy their best creature and throw it at me a couple turns, and it was enough to kill me. So like, it's not that the card's unplayable; it's that I'm not particularly excited about it, which puts it in the D range for me. I think it's build around for sure. Yeah, at least. But okay. e- even when you build around it, it it didn't look that good. Uh, Samet Tyrant Smasher is two gruel gruel for a five loyalty walker. Creatures you control have haste. Minus one target creature gets plus two plus one and gains haste. Scry one. Talk about planeswalkers that I'm okay seeing on the other side of the battlefield. Yeah, it's it's really that haste threatening uh, that, that can make you play the game a little bit differently. So I have to respect that a little bit. Uh, but this is just kind of not worth a card for me. It's just too expensive. And like... If they're attacking you, then they're not defending Samus. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, like, great, you hit me for, for a bunch of damage, and now I get to kill Samet, and, like, you're... you're it's like a, it's like a Lavax, basically, is how I look at this card. Maybe I'm wrong, but, like, every time my opponents play this card, it's, like, sweet. Yeah, I haven't seen it in action yet, but my initial hunch was it's a D, and I, I think it'll play like that. Agreed. Uh, Vraska Swarm's Eminence is two Golgari Golgari for a five loyalty Planeswalker. Whenever a creature you control with Death Touch deals damage to a player or a Planeswalker, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Minus two, create a one one black Assassin when with Death Touch, and whenever it deals damage to a Planeswalker, destroy that Planeswalker. Uh, I really like Vraska. Like I think she's again, I think she's in that top tier of uncommons for sure. Um, two death touchers is always relevant and the random upside of sometimes just killing a planeswalker or trading with an opponent's relevant creature because they don't have like a dorky army token they could throw away to, to block your death toucher to protect their uh, their their planeswalker I really like everything that this does and on an empty board those death touchers can get out of control yeah they can actually grow pretty quickly and there are a few other creatures in black green specifically we mentioned the leyline prowler is one of them that has death touch i've already been able to put a counter on that with Nebraska, which is pretty cool mm-hmm. that brings us to the artifact cards well i guess colorless yeah let's do colorless there's three colorless cards uh, although karn probably should be a planeswalker artifact uh at rare we have a four mana karn the great creator five mana lo- or five loyalty planeswalker Activated abilities of artifacts your opponent's control can't be activated, so it doesn't do anything. Until your next turn, up to one target non-creature artifact becomes an artifact creature with power and toughness each equal to its converted mana cost, so barely does anything in this format. And then minus two, you may choose an artifact card you own from outside the game 
so sideboard, or an exile, might be relevant. Reveal that card and put it into your hand. So you can you can play like a 42-card deck, so you don't have to put your bad artifacts in your deck. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a build-around card with no support, uh, which basically makes this like a D-minus or an F-level card in, in this set. There are some things that you could do, and you could certainly try to build around it and get your Statue of the God Pharaoh and that sort of thing and beat people to death with it. But I think you're probably better off just taking this one for the gems uh, and, and then looking to, to not include it in your deck. Move along, Karn. Next up is Ugin the Ineffable. You know why he's ineffable? Because you cannot give him an F. Six mana for a four loyalty planeswalker. Colorless spells you, ca- you cast cost two less to cast. Not really relevant. But his plus one is exile the top card of your library face down and look at it. Uh, create a 2-2 colorless spirit creature token. When that token leaves the battlefield, put the exiled card into your hand. And then minus three is detor- destroy target permanent that is one or more colors. A plus. Uh, this A is plus. one of the better cards in the set. It's super easy to first pick because it goes in every deck. It defends itself. It's a removal spell. And if your opponent ignores it, you will absolutely run away with the game. Uh, this card is absurd. I've played with it and against it. And it's the most miserable thing to see on the other side of the table. And feels so good when you stick one and can plus one it. This is one of my f- favorite cards from a flavor perspective. Because of the callback to the manifest mechanic. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that's super cool. I'm actually going to go dig out my manifest uh, tokens that I have tucked away, and I'm going to use them when I when I draft Ugin. That's very ambitious. I hope that works. <laughs> Ugin's Conjurant is uh, an X cast in cost creature. Uh, it's a zero zero, and it enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. And when you deal damage to it, prevent that damage, but you have to remove that many plus one plus one counters from it. Yeah, it's interesting. Some people way overrated this. Some people way underrated this uh, because it's kind of a callback to an old ability where a creature would come into play with counters and then when it took damage, removed one counter. So if people were kind of expecting that, they thought this was significantly worse. If they'd never interacted with that, they thought this was great because they could, you know, make as big a creature as they wanted. And what I found out with is Ugin's Conjurant isn't terrible or amazing. It's just okay. Uh, You can put it in any deck. Maybe there's some proliferate shenanigans. Maybe there's not. You can cast it on turn two and trade with a two drop. You can cast it on turn five and have a reasonably well-sized threat that they can chump to death. But like, what do you want out of your two drop when you draw it late game? I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, The biggest one I've cast so far has been for nine and I have proliferated one up to an 11. Um, None of that makes it a bomb. So it just comes out to a C, but it's something that I haven't been unhappy to pick like third pick where I'm like, I'm not really sure what color I am and this pack kind of sucks. Let's just grab the Conjurant. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't sleep on your X casting cost spell, removing two of your opponent's three drops or something like that as the game goes on, right? So if you can get that much value out of it, I think it's done its job for sure. Agree. Okay, onto the artifacts, and then we'll wrap it up. I think we'll skip the lands. Firemind Vessel is a four casting cost artifact when it enters the battlefield, sorry, enters the battlefield tapped, and then you can tap to add two mana of different colors. Uh, I've been pretty happy with this on the splash, but honestly, I think Mana Geode, which you can get uh, a little bit easier, is just better at doing it. It's cheaper, and you can use the mana immediately, even though it doesn't ramp you as far. So, like, I've played these, but I think I need to be going pretty deep for Firemind Vessel. So I'm going to pass on this one and instead be looking for the Mana Geodes. Agreed. And Mana Geode is a three casting cost when it enters the battlefield Scry 1, and it can tap to add one mana of any color, your typical mana rock in this format. Uh, I'm a, I'm higher on Mana Geode for sure. I'd, and then I'd, guild... Yeah, I, Sorry, I, I, it's worth mentioning. I'd initially said that I didn't think I wanted a Mana Geode, uh, but there's so many powerful cards in this format that I am willing to splash. 
Uh, so don't sleep on the mana geode. Agreed. Uh, Guild Globe is our other fixer, quote unquote, if you want to look at it that way. It's uh, two casting cost. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card, so slightly different here. And you can pay two and filter your mana uh, by sacrificing Guild Globe to add two mana of different colors. So you have kind of three different aspects here. Guild Globe is uh, cantrip and then the ability to filter once. Geode is a scry and you can use it over and over again. And Firemind Vessel is not either of those, uh, but it's a little bit more of a, of a ramp and, and fixing uh, if you happen to need five colors, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think the Guild Globe, again, does a decent job at splashing, but not a decent job at ramping. So I'd really rather have the Geode still. Uh, but if I'm in a scenario, like we've seen cards like this before where you don't draw the card until you sacrifice it. And that's significant here because you're not locking a card into this until you use it. It can just sit there. And if you don't draw your splash card, fine. It just sits there. And if you do, then you can activate it. Because um, like there's no bonus to you know popping it early. So this is fine, but I'd still rather have a Geode if I can get it. Mm-hmm. God Pharaoh's statue is a six mana artifact, legendary artifact, spells your opponent's cast cost two more to cast, and at the beginning of your end step, each opponent loses one life. I've already lost to this, uh, but I did find $20 in a parking lot one time. I didn't quit my job and start looking for $20 bills in parking lots full time, uh, and I'm not going to start playing this card. It's too expensive. Um, It's kind of like reverse ramp, but you have to get to six before it does anything. And it was a very particular situation where I had a bunch of high drops in my hand and my opponent cast this and locked me out. So it's not that it can't do the thing. It's just that it's not going to very often, uh, which makes this like, I don't know, still an F for me. Like you probably shouldn't play this. Yeah, it's the it's too expensive for the tax. So I'm never interested in this card at all. F. Iron Bully is three mana for a one one menace. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. I'd originally rated this as a C- and saw other people go as low as D. Uh, turns out it's just a C. This is fine. You can put it in any deck. Some decks care about the proliferate. Everybody's pretty happy with a menace creature to threaten a planeswalker. And the counter being kind of like, surprise, you didn't know I was here, but now I am. And I still leave behind a somewhat relevant body. Uh, I, I found this to just be a playable magic card that I'm pretty happy to have one of in basically all my decks. Yeah, I'm usually putting the plus one plus one counter on something, but even a 2-2 Menace is fine. I really like this card. I'm probably a little higher on it than you, but it's colorless. It goes in any deck, and it's common, so you're going to pick these up. Yep. Prismite is a 2-mana for a 2-1 with the ability to pay 2 and add one of any color to your mana pool, so a little bit of filtering with attacks here. Yeah. What's interesting here is like people have compared this to the Elf from Dominaria, which was uh, 2 and a green for a... 3-2 that could basically have the same ability where it filtered. And I, I I didn't like that card, but I played it sometimes because I felt like a 3-2 was a relevant body there. Here, we've got a colorless 2-1, so you can put it in any deck, uh, but the, the body isn't quite doing enough for me. There's better 2-drops in whatever color you're playing than this, and you should probably be playing those. And then it's not really dependable fixing. It's adding attacks, so you have to pay one extra to cast the card. It better be really good. And it's also saying you kind of can't trade off your two drop if you're looking to fix with it. Uh, So all of that adds up to a card you could play, but I don't want to, uh, which is a textbook D for me. Yeah, I could see decks like maybe five color if you didn't get there on the green entirely and you need that that extra, you know, the extra little bit of fixing you might play it. Um, But there's so many better two drops that I just don't want to put this in my deck. So I'm with you. Same. 
All right, Sahili Silverwing is a four casting cost artifact creature, a 2-3, and with flying, and when it enters the battlefield, look at the top card of target opponent's library. I really like this card in decks that don't have flying already. Yeah, so like this is essentially a green-red flyer for four uh, is, a, yeah. is a good way to look at it, and I've been pretty happy with it there. I think that makes the card a C-minus because I'm not looking to pick it up necessarily early, but once I see that I have that hole, I'm pretty interested in grabbing that. Agreed. Now, did you want to look at the lands? I forgot that there was actually a couple of lands in here that might be interesting. The only one I think that we need to mention, like, you should be able to figure out what to do with all of them, but Gateway Plaza is still here. Gates don't matter anymore, but it enters the battlefield tapped. You have to pay one or sacrifice it, and you can tap for one mana of any color. This is a common, and this is your fixing in this cycle. Uh, So if you can pick up one of these, or maybe two of these if you're lucky, you can kind of splash and and get some fun going on, maybe with this and a mana geode. Uh, So I I think it's important to note that this is in the format. We do have fixing it common, uh, but you kind of need to take these a little bit early if you think you might want to do some splashy-washy. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the fact that it like you might not want to play a mana geode, for example, um, and this can maybe take that role, or you might need a combination of mana geodes and gateway plaza to get your fix on. Yeah, the, the thing to remember about the geode is you need to be wanting to ramp and fix, whereas the plaza is just saying, yo, you want some fixing. I've already yeah. played this in two color decks and been happy, uh, where I was thinking maybe I'll splash and then I didn't end up splashing. And I was like, you know what, I can, I can handle this. Uh, and it's been yeah. fine. For sure. All right, that's it. That was a that was an adventure over the last couple of podcasts. Hopefully, we it's some value uh, for people that are you know new to drafting or or new to the set and haven't done the pre release yet, or even did the pre release and kind of want uh, to formulate some opinions with uh, with a little bit of feedback or validation on those opinions. So we thank you for coming along on the journey with us today, and thank you, Travis. Thank you, David, and you, dear listeners, do let us know if this was something that you enjoyed, so we'll know. Like, should we be doing this for the next set, or should we get right into like, here's how you play sealed and draft? Exactly. So, uh, but once again, thanks to Face to Face Games for the support and the host. And where can they catch you this week? Uh, you can find me this week and every week at Twitch.tv/simulan. Uh, we'll be doing more of the Spark Limited until I gotta get serious about Constructed. So next week, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you can catch me at twitch.tv slash dcivillian. That's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N. And we are both on Twitter under the same. Or you can follow us at Men for Moto. We'd love to see you there. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Adios.